Your podcast is dope. The first time I learned about you, some, someone DM'd me and said, you got to check out Trendifier on YouTube and TikTok. I saw your TikTok, and it was like I was going down the rabbit hole of all your videos for like an hour, I felt like. I appreciate that. And it's it's funny. The world works in weird ways because you – I think you followed me on Twitter, which was the yeah. funniest thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't tell anyone about my Twitter. That's the one social media like I don't talk about it on the show. No one has me there, and you found me there. And I noticed it, and I'm like, wait a second. I had just been told about your podcast about a month before. My friend Mark asked me to check it out, and I was like, this guy's fire. Like, this, <laughs> this is a great podcast. Like, how the fuck do I not know this? Like, I pride myself on trying to know some of the great long-form podcasts. And so then I started, I think I watched the Roger Reeves one, is that his mm-hmm. name? The the pilot. And then I went back, I watched the Bustamante ones, and it was so good. But I was like, that's really weird that that, you know, we didn't know about each other, I and know, then right? we knew about each other, and then someone said to, like, connect. The community connected us, bro. Very, very cool. So Super thank you to whoever did that. Hell yeah. How did you uh, get started doing your podcast? What made you want to do that? <laughs> thing is, it's fucking great. I love some of your guests. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to you having Jim in here. I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's a little bit of a convoluted story. I was I was on Wall Street, <coughs> so I came out of college, and I worked – in the private bank at Merrill Lynch. And so my boss, who was there a long time before me, you know, he managed the wealth of very, very rich people. So I think like the average net worth was like 80 million, something like that, 70, 80 million. And we also did work with like companies. So like public companies, we would do 10B5-1 plans. Sometimes we'd do something really simple, like a 401k, as it just gave you an excuse to know everyone there. But I did that for a few years, and the way that business works is you come out of college if you're lucky enough to get into a great situation like that, and I was because me and my boss got tight before I, before I got there. You know, you grind like a dog, and then eventually you get the offer if you make it, and then you make money. And so I, I did that, and I, I loved my team and everything, really enjoyed working with them, but you don't know anything about the world coming out of college. No. You know, and, no. and I didn't, in fairness to myself, I didn't assume that. I wasn't like, oh, I know how things work. It was never like that. But there was a part of you that's like, all right, well, I might know one or two things. Then you, yeah. you get out, you're like, nah, I don't, I don't know a goddamn thing. <laughs> so I started to realize, like, kind of subconsciously at first and then eventually consciously that, like, I wasn't into the work we did. I just didn't like banking. It's not me. Mm. You know, picture me in a suit. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, that's not <laughs> what it is. Number one, <laughs> it's not sexy like that, if that's what you want to call it. And it's also, you know, it, it's an older school business. There, There's certainly some good with it. I, I will say the best part about my job, my favorite part that I did like, it, and it's actually what I owe understanding like a couple things about is the fact that a big part of the job was going out and meeting people, knowing everyone, especially we were up in New York City, so you're in the center of the world, right? And my job was to go out and make friends with people of all walks of life who were in different industries, doing different things, so I had to learn like, oh, this guy talks to that guy because they do this thing, and then this type of business works, what are they working on over here? 
and then you start to get a picture of like, oh, here's how some things actually work. Then you do your research, the whole nine. So I think that was really good, and I liked that, but I just didn't like the back-end work. It was very boring and regulated as hell. That fucking sucked. So... So you had to look at a lot of different types of businesses yeah. and, like, how different types of shit worked. Yes, exactly. That's cool. I, so so I like to call that looking under a lot of skirts. I'm going to use that. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's I like pretty that. Good, right? I like that, but that is precisely what it was. But, yeah, so I, I was doing that, and, and I got to a point, as you were asking me, like, how the podcast happened. I had started to open my broaden my horizons a little bit along the way and i started probably in like 20 late 2017 pretty early actually i started like having some side llcs that do with people nothing crazy like not real companies but stuff like we work on little projects and i started to realize like you know i had always been a more creative person banking is not very creative in most ways right <laughs> that was not my cup of tea and so i was like more passionate about some of the little work I would do, you know, like writing stuff, coming up with things, thinking outside the box. And so I was thinking I wanted to go towards something like that. And then it got to the point where I was going to get that offer. And I did. And my boss, again, like to this day, very close with the guy, you know, I was like, holy shit. If I say yes to this, I'm committing for the next five years minimum. <laughs> now, hypothetically, I could have said yes, collected a paycheck for three months and bailed. But, like, that'd be a douchebag thing to do. Yeah. Like, I love this guy. I'm not going to do that to him. So he was, like, saying, like, come in the inner sanctum, pretty much. So I'm like, okay, I got to say no to this, which obviously I think I think he might have seen it coming a little bit, but it was still very sad, obviously. And it was kind of sad for both of us. But... This was later stages of the 2019. And so he said to me, he's like, all right, look, you know, you're still getting some of the salary from the company. Chill out. You know, this is going to be an industry shift for you. Didn't know what I was going to do yet. He's like, hang here. You do good work on the back end. You make your money to pay your bills and you figure it out and we'll get you on your way. I'm like, great. So I went into the process of doing that and probably... No, not probably. It was it was January twenty sixth. It, it was the day Kobe died. I remember that. No but way. yeah, it was like kinda weird thing in life. But um I went to do a little media work for my friend Ty for his lacrosse company. He just wanted me to go there and like interview the founders afterwards. Like pretty easy stuff. And it was a weird day because Kobe died. You know, that was like a I've never been affected by a celebrity death. Like oh, even, it was a Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was like, even like when Whitney Houston died, who I was a huge fan of, I was like, wow, it's, that's so sad. And it was like heartbreaking, but then like, you know, you go to the next thing. The Kobe but thing was weird, wasn't it? The Kobe was weird. The Kobe was weird. And I just had like the weird, because his daughter died too. It was just a weird day. So It was a whole chopper full of like a bunch of the teammates, yeah. a bunch of her teammates, I think. I think it was like nine people, mm-hmm. something like that. And there was even a report. I remember that afternoon when I was going to the job, there was like a report that like his whole family was on there. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, there's some things that's like, it's just a little bigger than, than everything That else. was weird because you could be, it was like, there's no way a dude like him could get in a freak accident like that. I know. You know? It's like Kobe doesn't die. Right. Yeah. 
like it's Kobe. I'm like, and dude, how weird was it the night before that they interviewed him about what were they interviewing? Or they were interviewing LeBron. LeBron or was LeBron it him? passed him the night before? They were in the same arena, right? And they were like, no, but he sent a tweet. He had been in the same arena with him, I think maybe a week before. Mm-hmm. But then he sent out like the congratulations tweet at like one a.m. or something. Oh, LeBron passed him. That's what happened. Okay, right dude, before. How fucking crazy is that? It's just wild. Man. That's weird, man. I can't, still can't wrap my head around that one. And if you would have told me that this was not going to be a top three story of the year, I would have looked at you like you were nuts. And it probably, I mean, it might be number three, but like, you know, the pandemic hit and all this other shit and the election and everything, like all this shit happened. So it's almost like it feels so much like it was so much longer ago than it actually was. But I remember that because I was at, you know, not to make it about myself at all, but it was like a weird day. I'm like, look at us. We're doing stupid fucking media work here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is just like, what even is this? And um, we were supposed to start, I think at like six. And Ty looked at me because things got tight. And he's like, yo, can we do this at 10? I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll just chill. So I'm just sitting there like thinking about this for like hours. And then we did it. And I didn't think anything of it. It was just, we, we put the cameras up kind of like this and everything. And, and we just did like a little, probably half hour worth of content, just going back and forth, talking about his past and stuff like that for his company. And they turned at the end, you know, they yelled cut and they turned the lights on in the place. And I didn't realize, but there were like 35, I don't know, 25, 35 people, something like that still there. And they were all just like mesmerized. I'm like, what like this this was kind of boring like i don't know what 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 the big deal is but some people came up to me after and they were like coming up in my face like bro do you have a podcast and i'm like no no i don't have a podcast so like you need a podcast and i had heard this before from some people like sporadically never thought anything of it i'm like what the fuck am i going to do with a podcast like why were they telling you you need a podcast because we ty had asked me and again i didn't think anything of this but he had asked me like for what we were going to do he's like hey i want you to ask about some of the shit that i did in college too because like i knew about that it wasn't like a big deal but like some stuff that like it was kind of surprising that you'd have this and the content like he works with high school kids and stuff but he's being very open like with parents about some of the dumb decisions he made in the past so i was just like okay like if you if you want to do that cool and so I, you know, I knew the subject matter because I already knew the story and everything. And we were going back and forth about it. And I guess I just like pressed them on it, like in a healthy way. And people were, I guess, a lot of the people sitting there had never heard this, and they were very surprised. Like this was some bullshit, you know, just filming a quick interview. And then they were surprised to be like a little bit entertained by it and like how deep it got. Again, we didn't think anything of it, but they did. That was the point. And so they're all telling me this. And this is happening while it just all came together because it's happening while I'm on the job trail getting my ass handed to me because I was a banker, right? And now I'm applying, you know, my resume might look decent, but like I'm applying for a job to be like a creative somewhere. (laughs) And some of these recruiters, I mean, I was going, when I tell you I was going for the bottom tier jobs, I was going for the bottom. I was going for jobs that paid 35 grand a year in New York City. Like I, I was not going for anything that had anything that I wouldn't have to completely prove myself. I'm like, like what? Like what? what was one of the jobs I can't even remember, man. I think I looked at like 
something as simple as like content manager. <laughs> like Okay. Like ad agencies and stuff? Yes. All in marketing. Because I'm like, well, that's, I'll dip my toe in the pool over there and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, I'll start at the lowest possible job possible just to get my foot in the door and I'll take care of the rest. Right. So I did have some great experiences with some recruiters who are really cool, who just like, I reached out to some random senior people, just cold called them, and they actually took my call. And they they liked that because I wasn't unrealistic about it. But nonetheless, I'm getting in front of some of these opportunities, and I just had like some negative situations where people weren't even giving me the time of day. You expect that when you're getting it at every single stop. You feel like your whole life's a failure. It's a natural human thing. So this is all happening. And then this thing happens and people are coming up and telling me this thing. And it's this weird day where Kobe died and like your head's all over the place. And so I had to drive home late at night, like an hour and a half. And I just drove home in silence. And I'm very glad I didn't actually think about this. Because all I did was I was like, fuck it. I could die in this car tomorrow. Like, I don't know what's going on here. But if I, if I ever did a podcast, I'd do it right. Let me just start researching equipment. We'll see what happens. And that was it. Like, there was no, like, writing down a plan or, like, how is going to – there was none of that. And I just started – I made it a weekend hobby. I'd go to, like, B&H Photo. I didn't know any of this shit. The one in New York? <laughs> the one in Fairfield, New Jersey is oh, okay. the one I would go to. It's a big one. And, you know, when we had done media work, we always had a producer there. He'd stick some mic on me, you know, mm-hmm. give me the thumbs up and – that was it. You know, that's the extent of what I knew. I knew things by eye, but I didn't know how to do any of it. So I kind of learned all this stuff. And about throughout February, I made a lot of progress on the job show. And I had like a couple of really good opportunities potentially coming up. And then the pandemic starts to possibly hit. So I hit the order button on like all my main equipment. I think like might have been like March 4th, something like that. Then that next week happens where, like, the whole world starts to shut down. Now, mind you, I'm still working in the markets at the time. So I'm on the phone all day with clients freaking out. They're losing money, the whole nine. I forget completely that I ordered this stuff. (laughs) So then the first day of quarantine, Friday, March 13th, I will never forget that. I get the notification, and it's like, all of your equipment has arrived downstairs. And I'm like, oh, my God. Because now every job opportunity is dried up, like, the whole world's stopping. And I'm like, I, I bring it up, I look at the couch, and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? <laughs> this is the dumbest shit. This is a sick joke on me right now. So then, I I don't know, maybe it was like a second, maybe it was 10 seconds, I don't know, but I stared at it. And then I'm like, fuck it, when else am I going to do this? And my boss, I swear to God, it was like either that day or within two days, calls me up and he says, hey, we're probably not going back to the office till like June. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, you definitely just had every job opportunity dry up, didn't you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, I know you were going to leave at the end of this month, but why don't you just like chill and collect? And then when the job market heats back up, you can get out of here. And I'm like, sounds good to me. You know, so I pretty much did that. And while this was going on, I just crossed the chasm. It was like April 1st. I just had a moment and I never looked back and I'm like, I'm just going to build this shit. I'm just going to build this. I'm going to start on zero. We're going to see where it goes. So I spent the next five, six months researching, doing a whole bunch of shit. 
building and then I launched September 2020 and it just kind of it it translated faster than I thought it was going to to being able to be a guest podcast like I wanted it to be I thought I was gonna have to do like 30 solo episodes before someone really wanted to come in but to my surprise I did get one person to come in on my initial like 10 that I dropped day one and then I had a few really cool people hit me up like yo I would totally do this I was like, all right, let's yeah, see how long yeah. this can last like that. And then it just, it never stopped. The only time I did a solo was when I had COVID, like really? a year later. Yeah. What would you, what did you do on a solo podcast? Are you, are you, you're one of those guys that's good at just talking. Bro. I can, I, I can tell. You can just sit there and have a conversation <laughs> and just, and just rant, right? Yes. It's funny if you get to a moment where there's a nice rant, which I might've had like one or two of those. I don't even know how many of those I had, but I don't like it because I like bouncing ideas out there or having someone bounce them at me whatever Mm. it is and then hear the other perspective sometimes someone goes 100% great other times people go that's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard in my life (laughs) when you're in there it's just the cameras and you're you're talking to the wall yeah so like I understand some people like that content and I guess they like some of the solo episodes but I just think it's so much better when you're talking with somebody right so it was like there's a lot of guys that are really good at doing the solo shit, though. There are, like, you ever see Tim Dillon do it? <laughs> Bro, I watch every single one of his episodes. It's incredible. He's so fucking funny. He, you know how hard that is? To I do can't it? even imagine. Like he does I it. can't even imagine. Now, he does have Ben in there, yeah. which helps. He laughs at everything, and that yeah. makes it so much better. He can, but people, I think, unless you've done it, don't realize that even having just a producer in there who can fill, like, a gap of two seconds of silence with a laugh... Mm-hmm. It's huge because when you are just in there alone talking, you are. it's not like in a conversation where sometimes someone can have a dramatic pause and it's cool. It's like, oh, shit, I haven't talked for two and a half seconds. I got to say something. I got to <laughs> say something. And you're like, you don't want to over edit it. So when I, I was really strict on myself, I'm like, no cuts of this. Like, the only thing is if, God forbid, I pause for five seconds, I'll cut to the second camera and we'll make it two. But I didn't want to do that. And so that was like, it was stressful. And also there was extensive research that would go into each of those because they'd be on a very specific topic, be a lot of work on that. And it's just not, it's not as fun. So, you know, I'm glad I did it because it made me have to be good at that. And it's pretty hard to do, I guess. But yeah, I, I like I like getting to the guest model, which is also why I liked your podcast right away. Because in my opinion, there aren't there are not enough podcasts who are doing long form conversations that are not in niche, right? Like you you have all different types of people on here, right, 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 all different types of people. There needs to be way more of that. I could never figure out like like why there. You know, you have like obviously Joe Rogan's the number one podcast in the world. That's what he does from his own angle guy like Lex Friedman does that very well, one of Joe's guys. There's some others, like I guess Dak Shepard for a while. I haven't seen it in a while, but he was doing that, and it was longer form. But there's not nearly as many as you would think, and there's a big demand for it. So. Yeah, most of the most successful ones are, are in a niche, right? I think that's the best way to like gain traction or to gain like a big following because yeah. there's so many fucking podcasts. It's just easier for them to all be categorized into their own niche. So you can watch this podcast for that. This po- that podcast for that. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it's just kind of like you're just gaining 
people, people, no one's sticking, right? So if, if no one's interested in you, they're just going to find, come to you for the one guest you had. And the next guest could be, you could have a fucking guy who sells cotton candy one day and an FBI agent the other day. No one's going to come back for another next episode. Yeah. It's, it makes it, it does make it a harder road. Mm-hmm. So like I look at you, you did it a really outside the box way, unplanned too, which is cool. You're a great filmmaker. You built a channel with kick-ass documentaries, so you you built an audience of people who are like, yo, this guy's fire. And then you launched a podcast, and as you told me, there were certainly people who were like, all right, well, I'm not about this, and yeah. they left. Right. But there are a lot of people who weren't. Yeah. So they were already there. Yeah, if you stayed. Yeah. And so you already had, and you had credibility, right? Like, that's a great way to do it. Mm. With me, if I hadn't gone to the short clip model to, like, entice people... I'd be dead. Really? Yeah. No shot. That's where a hundred, a hundred million percent of the growth is from that. From the TikTok stuff. Yes. Really? And, and it's shit. all it's all from that too because on YouTube, you go hard on that shit. Like I try. You take clips yeah. from movies. Yeah. You add music. It was look, man. How many podcasts are there? Like four million now. Yeah, at least four billion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A- active. Let's call it, let's beat, let's overshoot it. Let's say active, there's two and a half million in this country. Right. Just alone. That do podcasts like an episode a week, right? Right. Something like that. At least one. There's obviously some people who do like one every month. Sure. But I'm saying like, let's call active podcasts once a week right. to use what you just said or, or more. That means that this is one of the dumbest possible things you could ever do as <laughs> yeah. a career decision. Because <laughs> yeah. you are trying to get attention. At, before the pandemic, there was 191 million people who had listened to a podcast. It's definitely higher now. I think <clears throat> 60% of them were weekly listeners at the time. So that's maybe it was like 125, 130. I'm trying to remember these numbers. So if I'm a little off, mm-hmm. sorry. But either way, now divide that across 2.5 million. And also look at the talent out there. Look at the people making great podcasts, doing mm-hmm. great work. Mm-hmm. Hard to take away from that. Like, are you are you crazy enough to walk in day one and be like, I want to take some listeners from Joe Rogan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You're never going to do that. Yeah. And it shouldn't be your mindset. Your mindset should be like, let me see if I can carve out someone wanting to possibly add me into their role with other people who mm-hmm. happen to be great at this. Right, right. So, right. like, also asking people to check out a longer-form podcast it's an instant gratification world. They want to know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So you're already behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. right? So what I eventually did is I looked across the board and I said, what is something that no one else is doing? And I couldn't figure it out, but I'm like, no one goes all out on short clips. Like no one makes it a production like what you would do with your documentaries. No one makes it like a work of art. Right. Like they all just like take clip, boop. Drop it right there. They, they don't, don't even. They just cut. They just chop it out and post it. Right. And they barely even chop like in between to not have silence and right, stuff. Right, or right. they'll they'll literally. My favorite is like in a TikTok feed or a YouTube Shorts feed that's 1080 by 1920, where every video that someone's hitting is 1080 by 1920. They'll just like lift a 1080 by 1350 graphic from Instagram and like boop. Yeah, people are gonna watch that. Mm-hmm. It like doesn't care about the viewer. So I'm like. This is crazy. And then, like, the few people who actually pulled this off are doing, they're doing well. I'm like, I, I think I could do this. It took a while to, like, get to the point where I was, like, good at it. But that's just what I leaned into. Interesting. 
Yeah, because your TikTok is like huge. You have hundreds of thousands of TikTok followers, don't you? But does the TikTok stuff transition to YouTube and that and and all the other shit? That's it, my question. It did. It did to Apple and Spotify way more than YouTube. Really? Yes. Yes. So I knew that there was. I think about this a lot because <clears throat> some of it still doesn't make sense to me, and there's a lot I don't know. But I did know the pre-pandemic. I want to say it was like maybe 25, 30% of podcast consumers consumed video. So they consumed on YouTube, right? It's probably higher now because more people have home offices. Mm -hmm. They throw it on the screen over there, right? And I could never figure that out because I'm like, I never did that. Like to this day, like now when I sit in the studio, yeah, I'll throw it on. But so I guess technically I am, but I'm never looking at it. Very rarely. Like there has to be a really poignant moment. Like when you had the, uh, what was the girl's name who had the baby in jail? Oh, yeah, Jessica Kent. Yeah. So, like, I remember I had, I was doing work. I had that on the third screen over there in the studio. Mm -hmm. And then she got to a moment where she talked about when they were going to take the baby away from her in the hospital. Mm -hmm. That I turned to. Because, okay. like, you can hear it. Right. And, and she, you know, she's, she's, like, trying to not get emotional about it. Right. So, like, that's nice to be able to do that. Yeah. But I never, I was a pot, I was... I subscribed to like 137 podcasts. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a podcast head, and I never did that. So I'm like, well, these people got to be out there. You know, they're doing it. So I could never figure out how to translate it to YouTube. And with TikTok, what would happen was I wanted people to see that this was like a legit production. So I put the link to YouTube only in there. So I didn't want to make them have to click twice. Like in the profile or in, in the actual profile. post? Okay, you can't profile. put it in the post. Right, okay. So my profile... I would put it, and I didn't want them to have to click to a Beacons page and then find another link. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to give them YouTube. It says on the corner of my video, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, so I'll let them figure it out. And what I found is pretty much, like, fans, people who became fans would come in there, and grateful for this, by the way, and they'd hit subscribe on YouTube, but that's not where they would consume it. They would go to Apple and Spotify. Mm -hmm. So I started charting on Apple, on Apple at least. I don't know about Spotify, but started charting in the U.S. on Apple. And I still was at, at the time, I think I was at 6,000 subscribers on YouTube, and no one watched there. Mm -hmm. I had like 50 views an episode, something like that. And then I could, I'm like, you know what? This is fine because we're building in one place. We'll figure it out over here eventually. And... What ended up happening is YouTube shorts started to work. And then that's where I built literally like before they started to work, which was about December 1st. I think I had like 15 and a half thousand subscribers and my whole subscriber base has come from that. From the shorts? From the shorts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Which is also, it, it's I think it's all good. That's what Jessica Kent was talking about, too. She was talking about the shorts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. She talked about that. Yeah. And she said that that was like, mm -hmm. I get good discoverability there. I think mm -hmm. she was posting like four days a week or something. Yeah. But, like, it, you could say it's good and it's bad. I think it's all good because it gets me exposure. Yeah, for And, sure. like, I work for these clips. They're usually about 28 to 47 seconds, somewhere in there. You know, some of them take 25 hours to do. Like, I go all out on them. And so, like, I know now I, I've seen enough data, like, I know what the bar needs to be at to earn people's time and to earn the right for them to not skip this video. And it works. And so the downside is that for now, YouTube, because, like, I was in a YouTube shorts pod, 
too. Like the company came in one of those where they like we meet like once every other week or something, exchange ideas. It's one of the leaders of the of the shorts team and YouTube runs the team and she's great. But one of the things that YouTube hasn't figured out yet is how to classify shorts within their algorithm. Cause, and I don't, I'm getting above my pay grade here, but my understanding is that the way the algorithm works is it wants content. That's all in the same length zone. Hence why you have like Logan Paul has, impulsive but then he has impulsive clips Mm -hmm. right a lot of these channels they do one and the other that's because when he posts an episode that's one and a half two hours versus posting a three minute clip youtube doesn't measure average watch time i think i think before it measures the average the total watch time on each so if i watch a hundred percent of a three minute clip on youtube that's great right if the audience is watching an average of 100%, you have a perfect clip. Right. That's three minutes. Now I post an hour and a half episode. Let's say you have great on an hour and a half episode where some people just click and don't watch. You have a great watch time. You have 45 minutes of watch time on that. So you have 50%. YouTube doesn't give you credit for the fact that you have 50% on an hour and a half video and someone stayed on their app for 45 minutes. Right. Because they're rectifying it with, well, it was Percentage. three. It was three over here. Mm-hmm. And now it's 45 here. So then they, the numbers get fucked up. Mm-hmm. So what happens is now I built this subscriber base on YouTube, which has helped on Apple and Spotify, which is great. And it's helped on YouTube. And I have way higher numbers than I did. But I don't go into a lot of people's feeds. My ultra fans, like the people who are literally refreshing to like wait for the next thing that drops, mm-hmm. they all get it because they, you know, they have notifications on the whole nine. But most people, I don't go in their feed yet because YouTube goes, oh, wait, he posted a three-hour episode. Don't put that one in there. Then I post a 30-second short. Oh, put that one in there. Oh, so your channel is basically like optimized for shorts. Yes. Got it. But it, gave, it it's given me all the exposure. Right. So like, like some of the shorts creators in the pods will complain about this so much because their shorts, they don't get any views on their regular content or whatever but i'm like first of all youtube's paying us for these shorts you know could it be more maybe but like they're they're paying out it's a big fund so they are paying out a lot of money i'll give them credit so you're making money and you're getting exposure you have to be able to capitalize on that exposure somehow even if it's going to be longer harder work like for now the way i got to do it is i got to get way bigger to get to a point where i split it up and ask people to go to another channel too I'm very conscious of that. I don't want to have them do that yet. Cannibalize it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I know I can get exposure with these shorts. So guess what, bitch? You got to fucking make a couple shorts a week. And that's most of your week. But just do it. You know? So I think that's a good trade. It's incredible, man. What you're doing is insane, especially the amount of work that you put into those things. Um, And another thing is most podcasts aren't even on YouTube. Like a yeah. lot of big podcasts. That's one thing that, that, that was hard for me was discovering podcasts that weren't on YouTube because I don't fucking, I still don't know how to find them. You were one of those guys. You were one of the YouTube heads with podcasts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was YouTube with four podcasts. So yeah. like all I cared about was, was getting my shit to get viewed on YouTube. Yeah. 
I don't know. Are you one of those guys that's like super analytical? Like, do you do you go into like the numbers and watch like how far they watch and like okay, right there they stopped. I got to figure out what I did wrong right there. Maybe like adjust that a little bit. Oh fuck yeah, you're super analytical, right? <laughs> I in my life I'm not good at screenshotting shit, but on YouTube and TikTok I'm good at screenshotting shit. <laughs> so I go in. I have a drill like. I try to live by this with certain things. I'd rather be looking at it than looking for it. So I remember there were some early shorts videos that started to go that were at a similar time period where they started to go. And I hadn't screenshotted some of my analytics data from shorts like a month before. And I'm like, never again. So now every time I go in there, it's like speed demon. Like I go into that YouTube studio app. I can't because it's on airplane mode right now. Mm -hmm. But I go into that app and like... I click the video, boom, boom, boom. Screenshot. I have the screenshot of the time, obviously, when I did it. Mm -hmm. It shows I get the screen of how far into the video it is. So is it seven days and 20 hours at this point I'm screenshotting it? It gives me the percentage watch time. It gives me the number of, I get the screenshot of the page that has the number of comments that were on it, the number of likes so I can get a ratio. I go look at the number of subscribers who have subscribed on the basis of this video. I will go screenshot the relevant episode to see where those views are being translated. So, like, is a short translating to people going to the episode? Mm. I want to know that, mm -hmm. right? Because I want to know what ones work, what ones don't. But, yeah, I do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, you go deep on <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Do you, do you build, like, spreadsheets and, like, break no. all this stuff down? No. no. Okay. You, no. Just remember, I, you just look at the screenshots <clears throat> up and you, here. you know what the fuck you got to do next. It's up here. And then, like, if I'm thinking about a specific thing, I will go back into those screenshots and I, I have a photographic memory. So I'll be yeah. like, okay, the Raj video from a month ago, that was roughly around the time I screenshot this other thing. Let me go find that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember there was like a 91.8% watch time at like 400 <clears throat> viewers. And then at 4,000, it was the same. Like, and then I'll go confirm that. And then I want to see where it was at 400,000. How much did it fluctuate? Did it go off 91.8 or whatever it was? <clears throat> to 91.4 or did it flip around and still go way up in views but it's down at 89 mm. percent watch time yeah interesting dude that's so crazy so when you first started doing this shit you started having just like your friends come on or did you like have an idea of the type of guests that you want to have like jim like you said you knew jim for years right like did you yeah. did you kind of want to go down that kind of like crazy like american history deep state type <laughs> rabbit hole my rule was simple. If I'm curious about it, let's yeah. do it. Because you seem like you know a lot of shit. Like you seem like you know quite a bit about about like politics, history, that kind of stuff. I think I mean this is my job. I don't do anything else, right? Like yeah. I sit here, I work on the podcast and a part of my job is knowing what's going on on a day. Is that because day. of the podcast or is that just for, like natural for you? Some of it's natural, but it's also like yeah, I'm in the studio, I'm working, <laughs> mm -hmm. like this is where I get my quick bites of what's going on. What's the big story that just happened? Oh, there's people talking about something on Twitter. Let's see what that is. And I still miss most of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, a couple things there. Number one, it's very easy. And maybe you would notice this if you thought about it, like, from your podcast. I'll bet it's probably pretty similar. It's very easy once you have some sort of expert in front of you on whatever it is. could be a current event or it could be, like, their life and what they did. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to start putting things together if they're opening up. And I've been lucky. I've had a lot of people. I mean, like Jim's a great example. We keep bringing him up and your people will hear him soon. Like that guy doesn't give a fuck. He'll just say at this point, he's like, 
yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about this case. I'll tell you about that one. I'll tell you about that time I did that to this criminal. Like, mm-hmm. he'll just go off. And so then maybe while he's talking, I can piece together things I remember of like, oh, what about this other thing this other person told me about one yeah. time? Yeah. And then connect the dots. I can sound like I know it, but really all I'm doing is I'm fishing. And mm-hmm. then he might say, yeah, exactly. And then right. suddenly, like, now he's got another story. Mm. And I, I try to do that. Sometimes it doesn't work. But, yeah, I, I, I try to stay, like, informed, but I don't know what I don't know, and that's that's a lot. I just like to have an idea, like you and I were talking about psilocybin mushrooms before this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you, I don't know much about them. I think I listened one time to, like, a Joe Rogan episode where he had on some guy, and it kind of went over my head. So, like, I don't know if tomorrow I bring in psilocybin guy, but I might. Right. And I might just be like, all right, I don't know, fucking shit, man. Tell me what it is. Yeah. You know? And then would people give me credit for knowing about that? Maybe, but they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you kind of get credit for asking questions. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. And, um... I'll I'll definitely give you some of those uh, microdoses if you want some. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. Fucking I, I awesome. think I, I've been thinking as I they're told not you, hardcore. I've been thinking about it for a few years because I'm like, that was one part of college I skipped. Like I just watched all my buddies do it. Yeah, I'm like, I kind of wonder. But there's yeah. like there's like blue like not blue but there's like people in like Silicon Valley that work at these tech companies yeah. and these creative think tank people that that take those things every day when they go to work, and just trying to be creative. This is in your phone. Because of mushrooms. Or in your phone. This is in your hand. I'm holding oh, up the phone. Oh, yeah. For people listening. This yeah, is in yeah, your yeah. hand because of trips, right? That's what Steve Jobs did. And that definitely, I'm a huge Steve Jobs guy. And Are you? Yeah. That's one of the things was that he, I'm like, I'm was curious. He, I don't he know did a lot it. about the history of him. Was he big into uh, oh, magic yeah. mushrooms? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And does he say that that's what led him to create a lot of the products is through tripping? He has like having the vision. He was quoted as, and I don't, I don't remember the exact <clears throat> quotes, so I'm not going to give them. But he was quoted in the range of talking about <clears throat> how those experiences, especially like right after college, and I think during college, at one point he like lived out in the desert, I think, in a in a in an RV for a month or some shit like that. Yeah. He went to India, did some wild shit over there. Those experiences <clears throat> when he was using creative substances and i don't remember if it was like psilocybin i gotta go look at that again but he was using some of this stuff that is what gave him a lot of his creative vision on the world and it allowed him to put things together Mm -hmm. so like it married his interests his ocd with his creativity Mm -hmm. right so one of my favorite stories about him is his father because he was adopted so he genetically didn't have a lot in common with his dad they were different people Mm -hmm. but his he was tight with his dad and his dad was like a i don't remember his exact job but one of his skills was he was an unbelievable carpenter he could just make incredible shit and so when steve was like maybe five six seven years old his dad made some cabinet or some armoire that goes against the wall and when steve thought he was finished his dad pulled it back out and like shook his head and went and got the tools and started going to work on it again, on the back, like the part you don't see. And he's like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, it's perfect. You don't need to do it. And he goes, no, there was like a, there's some sort of like indentation here or something like that. 
And Steve said to him, he said, Dad, that's on the back. No one's ever going to see that. And he said, no, you're going to know it's there, though. And if you know it's there, that's a horrible pattern, and it'll never be right. So that's why when you look at Apple, you know, one of the foundational things that Steve Jobs did turning them around was the iMacs, which he made, the, and it drove the engineers nuts because they don't think like this at all. But he and Johnny Ive made the engineers design the inside, like, well, they designed it. But he, he made them work within the designs that he came up with for what the inside looks like, including the parts that even after their transparent design happens, no one would ever see. So when you, if you're like a tech guy and you take apart your Apple, it looks like a work of art inside. No one knows it, mm-hmm. but it does because it translates to the rest of the product. They did this even before they created this, that see-through plastic thing. Remember the yes. round one with the round yes. iMac yes. and the see-through? That's, what I'm, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And wow. you, could see, you could see some of it there. I don't think you could see all of it. But part of, it was even before that model, I believe, because he came back to the company in 97. But part of doing the whole transparent design there was quite literally an example of transparency. Look at the work inside. This isn't like a fucking Windows toss-together job because no disrespect to engineers. They make the whole thing go, and that's important to remember. But generalizing here, engineers don't really think about design. Mm -hmm. Go look at Discord. (laughs) Case in point, right? Like simplicity and engineers don't go together. Yeah. So you have to... The reason Apple was so great is because Steve married brilliance of engineering with, you know, the teams he put together because he wasn't an engineer himself mm-hmm. with the simplicity of the final user. Right. So when you went on to your iPod for the first time, he, he wanted nothing more than two clicks away. Right. And so that's how I think of it like that. That shit changed my life thinking about that and reading the books about Johnny Ive and stuff and how these guys would look at stuff simplicity is like it's the most important thing and that was that was what i was saying about your documentaries too your style i noticed that right away when i was watching those for the first time you're you're very like it's easy to take in and it feel you're doing it where it feels like you're doing a lot mm-hmm. and you are because you're filming all this stuff yeah. but with the final product it's actually right there in front of you it doesn't try too hard. It's not zooming in every two seconds on somebody. It's not like trying to get some crazy shot left and right. It's like, nope, the drone goes right over the setting, kind of like they did in True Detective. Boom, boom, boom. Dude, I love that fucking show. God I could, damn. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. You, 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 you take it all in. Now you feel like you're there. I feel like I'm in Madera Beach with all these... With all these, I was calling it dock hands, it's deck hands. Deck hands, yeah. Yeah, yeah with, all the, with all these deck hands, and then boom, we're right in front of Shane going, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, dude. you did all that, and the viewer, they don't know why they love that, but that's why they love it, because mm. it's right there. You know, I stole a lot of that style from uh, Breaking Bad. It's a great example. Yeah, that's where, I, that's where I got most inspiration for like that filmmaking shit, those little documentaries that I've done in the past, <clears throat> all of it from Breaking Bad. That makes so much sense yeah. now. I did not put that together. Now yeah. I'm putting it together. Like All those shots where he'll have the product, like up, whatever it is in front of you, like up close, like they'll be taking the keys out of the locker and yep. you'll have the shot of like the key. You yeah. did some, That's funny. But the best thing about Breaking Bad is like the way they shot that was they would mix so many like super tight shots and immediately cut them with super wide-angle shots. So, like, they would go crazy by going back and forth between super, like, 
tight zoomed in shots to super wide shots. And uh, I never gone the, the way that, that the way that it's it's weird. You got to be like a, a like a cinematographer. Type, I love that shit. type nerd to understand this kind of shit. I love but, that shit. But the way that that you kind of use lenses can like have a dramatic effect on how people process the uh, the documentary. And that's what I learned a lot. I learned a lot about that from Breaking Bad. What What are your other main inspirations? <laughs> um kind of putting you on the spot so yeah i don't know break i like i like uh true detective the first season of true detective was one of my favorite shows ever might be the best season of tv ever made it really really was with be. matthew mcconaughey dude and woody harrelson that was fucking will insane. you shut the fuck up mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <They're so dual. laughs> you say the dumbest shit sometimes i'm trying to think like what else was really good besides breaking bad true detective um I don't know. I can't think of anything right now. Those two, those two are definitely like top five for sure. But you know, like we were talking about earlier, like transitioning from communicating shit with just like lenses and like light, light, light and lenses is what it, all it is. Then going into just like something like this, just talking back and forth and communicating with someone. It's night and day. It's completely two different worlds. Yeah, it's 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 two different things. And it's, <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's completely know? it's it's but it's kind of the same thing though. It's kind of the same thing because you're you're it, saying communication. Commu- well, one thing this is more of communication. That I mean, it's both entertainment, right? It's both they're both forms of entertainment. It's both forms of media. They're on the same exact medium. They're both on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of doing the same thing. Like I'm I'm like I'm not really interviewing you right now, but when you're talking to somebody like Shane Lee or like that girl, that lady Kim, you kind of just like, I'm in a dark alley with a camera on a tripod, kind of having a conversation like this. I'm cutting myself out of it. Right. Right. I understand. And I can add in all this cool looking fucking B roll music, drone footage, whatever it is to spice it up and make it look better and give it more of a vibe, more of a feel, you know what I mean? Watching those things is more like a, like a, it's like a vibe, like watching like a really cool music video. Way different. I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. I, I was I was thinking of something else at the beginning, but yeah, and and like you also, it's a different. It's a different kind of skill. I mean, it's a different kind of intelligence. I think. But you here's the thing where I because we were literally talking about this like right before we walked in here. Yeah, we, yeah. Got, we we got cut off, but good spot to go back into it. First of all, for all your fans out there who I assume have pretty much, I mean, I assume you've seen deck hands at this point. It's phenomenal. But that fourth part in particular with Kim some of the best and, and I the Dark. word best is not great but bear with me that is from my money some of the greatest 15 minutes of storytelling I have ever seen in my life and it was seriously though like a lot of that series it's sad and funny at the same time mm-hmm. that one it almost appeared for a second like it was going to be and then you see this woman's story and what happened to her. And the fact that you, like, you talk about, oh, I get to be behind the camera and mm. designing all of it. <clears throat> you also had to, of course, you were there. You can't control what's going to happen to her. And obviously some very advantageous things for filmmaking happen while you were with her, let's be honest. Right. But you also, while you're doing this, you're talking with her. And the the shit you got her to open up about, yeah, 
I don't, it struck me when we were talking outside, you don't comprehend how difficult that is because fuck man. I mean the, the heaviness of that. Mm. I, I went and looked it up after this. I did tell you, but for people who weren't there listening to us when we were talking, which is nobody, um, <laughs> They, I went up and and you looked and, up each one of those people. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I saw the comment sections were like, "Oh, R.I.P. These people." I'm like, "Damn, this was like this is in the last like four or yeah, five years." They all died. They all died, and her, she died like three months after this yeah, video. She's the first one, right? Yeah. So I go and I find her obituary. Now, mind you, and for anyone who hasn't actually seen this, this woman was she was molested by her father. From who was a cop. Who was a cop? Yep, yeah. and she was a I little girl. I forgot that. <clears throat> From age four to seventeen, right? You got the visual details of her explaining exactly how it went down. He impregnated her, made her have the kid, and took the kid from her, and then she ran away. And that's how her life got out of control. But first of all, I mean, that's like I don't even know what to say about that. But you also get all that on camera. You capture this woman's tragedy i mean she had a horror anthology series of a life just for the first 17 years and then the mm-hmm. rest of it was just like a sad documentary right, right right and first of all it reminds you of the perspective of all other people around you because you're like you never know you never know who's been through what where they're from what they're about you know there's good and there's bad with mm-hmm. just about everyone besides adolf <laughs> hitler right so you know there's exceptions but by and large, most people, there's good and bad. And like with her, when I went and looked up her obituary, it just, that hit me so heavy because it says her name, it says the day she was born in 1968, the day she died in 2017, and then no one has come forward, period. And that's mm-hmm. all it says. And I'm like, okay. Somebody was inhabiting this earth for 49 years based on the fact that you spent the first two minutes of the episode asking a bunch of people where you could find her. People knew her. People knew who she was. She had a nickname. Mm -hmm. She was arrested by cops sometimes. They knew her. The jail systems knew her. You know, she she grew up somewhere. She had some family there. Obviously not a good one, but people knew her. Mm -hmm. And she never had a shot. She said it on camera too. You got her to say this. Mm -hmm. I never had a childhood. Mm -hmm. And she, that was tragic to me because she actually knew that most people at least what i've seen people have tragedy like they don't they know that but they don't you don't admit it right exactly but she was like no i i didn't have one it was taken from me Mm -hmm. because he would come out i'd hear his keys jingling and i'd know he was about to rape me Mm -hmm. on the beach like the whole running down the beach yeah the whole thing and like you get all this and i'm like if danny had not gotten this 15 minutes right here as a time capsule for anyone to watch in the future. Yeah. This woman's life would be Kim, whatever her last name was. I don't even remember. It's bad. But was born on this date, died Hollywood on this Kim. date. Yeah. Hollywood Kim. Yeah. No one's come forward. Someone reads that 200 years from now. They go, oh, man, nothing happened. And it's like, well, no. A lot happened. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we should learn <laughs> from that, too. Like, if people can, if some, one person out there can take something from that and be like oh i'm in a bad situation too like i don't want to end up like that or you know what about my friends so and so they they don't strike me as well maybe i should talk with them Mm. you know that's that's a tragic insane situation but it happens 
things like that happen. Yeah, it's weird too. It does. So I think it does something to them, to their minds when you kind of like immortalize them on the internet because they all became like instant celebrities down there on the beach. Yeah, like they did. Everyone who people would come down from different states because this is a big transient tourist area too. And a lot of people would come down like and see them at bars or come down to even try to find yeah, them. Like, they come, they go to Shane Lee and shit. They go to Madeira Beach just to try to find those guys. And then like when they go on there, like every t- after we did those first episodes. We kind of like we would always go down there every couple of months or every month, like trying to catch up with them, see how they're doing, and see what's up. And they'd be like, all they want to talk about is their video. They're like my video, you should read that fucking comment on my video. Like what <laughs> yeah, the fuck's my video? Like, Can we do another video? Can we do another video? And it was like it. It's I don't know what it does, but psychologically, it did something to them. You gave them purpose. Yeah, I don't know if that was it. But yeah, they you, got you a lot gave, of joy out of that. Yeah, yeah, you gave and and like. As sad as that seems, because it's just a video out there that, like, some people saw them and it doesn't change their circumstance or situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it gave them something. But, it, I mean, it also, like, it it makes me think, too. Like, I can't help but think, release that video of Kim and she dies two, mon- two months later. Yeah, I don't... It makes me think, like, like was there was that part of the reason she might have died? Like, did she give up after she realized her life was out there? And, you know, I mean, I think about that stuff sometimes. Wow. You know, now that you, th- you think about, like, you gave this lady purpose whatever you want to call it you say that you know her story is now out there immortalized everybody knows about it it's kind of like could that could she have given up after that somehow maybe i don't know you're handling that well i'll (laughs) tell you that because that's a heavy thing and and it's not you know sick though she, yeah, yeah. She didn't she? Cancer. I was going to say, didn't she say she had her. cancer? She had it bad. She yeah. said that on camera. Yeah, I thought I, I don't heard think that she right. had lung to live. Well, she we had, a, according to Shane Lee, she had cunt cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> that guy. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. He's straight dude. to it, man. He don't <laughs> yeah. fucking sugarcoat He does not nothing. sugarcoat anything. But, yeah, you listen to what she said, I could see that. Like that part at the end where she got, I guess she got like kicked out of that house she was staying at or something, which was like, Jesus Christ. You know, I think she looked at, didn't even look at the camera, but she's like, just take me to the water. Yeah. Because that's where she- Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was, Mm -hmm. she used to get raped on the beach because she would go to the water because the sound of the water would give her (laughs) comfort or something like that. Fucking wild is that, dude. And so in that moment, she didn't care that she was in some random documentary guy's Mm -hmm. car. That all went out the window. She didn't care if this was getting views on YouTube. She was legitimately, once again, for the millionth time in her life, broken and said, take me to the water because I'll be all right there. And then she went to the water and for- a minute she got her breath under her and then was actually able to say something again yeah. mm-hmm. and said a lot of heavy shit too. But mm. that could, the way you put that, that could have been, you know, she was already very sick. As you said, like that kind of thing could have been like the last Testament of her life. Right. And she never had, never thought she was going to get the chance, but she, I mean, she got to talk to her kid on there, which, right. You know, that that's kind of what it hit me about it. Like thinking about like you put this message out there directly to your kid and it's get, it got, I don't know how many views it got. It must've got like almost a million views on that. It got a lot. Documentary. Didn't get enough, but it got a and lot. And it's like almost like maybe she psychologically, like that was the bow on it. I believe, I do believe in that shit. I think, yeah. I think people, I mean, I think it's also, I don't want to speak for anything. I don't have any studies in front of me, but I, I think some of that's probably been supported by science, like sure. the mental, emotional <clears throat> tie to to physical life. Like, why do some people 
get something off their chest and then look up at the sky and take their last breath and die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we didn't know they were going to go today. And your mind is some. I mean, think about like people who get diagnosed with cancer. Who it's yeah. all like think about like when you go through that process, you get diagnosed, you get told the doctor tells you you have this X amount of days to live. Most of them live up to that exact amount of time the doctor tells them. Yeah. It's kind of like a mental self-fulfilling prophecy when there are some people who are, are have the ability to like change their, their state or change who they are or whatever and like fight through it, the rare people. But I think I truly do think that a lot of times when in those kind of situations people get diagnosed with cancer that they believe that shit and they go down this depressive downward spiral because of the 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 psychology of that diagnosis is almost unbearable and it just kind of like adds kerosene to the fire and helps you die quicker yeah look i don't think anyone can really know until god forbid it happens to them but you can learn from watching other people deal with crazy shit and how it how it molds them you know and like her environment is what made her life and like on the one hand yeah do do people have free will can they make decisions yeah but who the fuck am i to judge somebody mm. who got raped by their dad for yeah. 13 years right like I can't believe she was still alive. Yeah. She lived 48 years. I can't believe that's like plus 31 on the over. Right. (laughs) You know, seriously, like not to, not to be like callous about it, but crazy to me. And I'll bet she wished she died. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I just don't something like that, man. I mean, we got into this rabbit hole talking about your style, but the way you put that together and like even with the dark comedy on the front with the Shane with the quotes. Oh my god! <laughs> like he said that, and that was the first video I watched. I watched oh, no was it really? First. So I didn't know that who was he the last was. episode you watched oh, first. Man. And I was and I was like, that's kind of wild. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and it's I didn't rough. know where it was going. I saw the title, so I'm like, oh, this is gonna be rich. And then it gets to where it did. And and again, it's. I mean, you talk about like different content on YouTube, all different shit that has to compare. This is a fifteen minute documentary. This wasn't a feature film. Right. It took it took you fifteen minutes to get a snapshot, like a very vivid one. It took you fifteen that. minutes to watch it. it took it, years yes. to make it. Let's be very clear about that. You were filming all night and all day with her, and mm-hmm. the editing. I, I know that, but I'm saying like the final product that the person sees like me who had no idea the story. Right. Right. Boom. I mean, that is so, so I had Jim watch that too. Did you? Yeah. He called me up. He's like, holy. And you know, this guy's seen the worst of the worst. The worst. This guy was one of the lead interrogators globally for the FBI. Like he's seen the worst of the worst. And he's like, that's fucking fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah. And we just sat there in silence for a minute. He's like, I just, yeah, that's insane. That well, when you that. can when you can dramat dramatize it with music and and timing and all that, it, it makes it hit way harder. Oh yeah, you know if you yeah. if you strip that thing of the, of the music and and the timing and some of like the just like it's everything about it, just like the color grading, it just creates this full fucking effect and makes it hit you ten times harder. Yeah, and and you're, I mean, even like on your podcast, how how you do it, like with the cameras and some of the. You know, mm-hmm. this is your expertise, cinematography. So, right. like, 
but that this little, is just like minus the editing, minus the music, minus the B-roll. So mm-hmm. it's like still though, you that's, have to be good. <laughs> that's not absolutely. Yeah. But that's when people are coming into it, they're expecting a podcast. Right. Right. They're not right. like exactly. it's, just, it's yeah. a studio, it's back and forth. Exactly. So when someone's coming across a podcast for the first time, this is why it's so important. They don't know who you are. There's a million podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. They're gonna give this maybe two seconds. Right. Screen comes on and they see like the production. And there's something, there's just something that looks different about your visual. It's really yeah. wild how you do it. And they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and the next thing you know, they just watch a Roger Reese episode. Yeah, I know, right? You know, it's like, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's so cool. it's, but look, man, I, I think, uh, I think you, you married something that you wanted to do that you probably did more than you realized, which mm-hmm. is talking with people and getting to the bottom of people's story and, and what they're about or what they mm-hmm. think about things. With, you know, also putting together something that is produced in yeah. a in a visually beautiful yeah. way. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's it's in some ways I'm like the very opposite of you when I'm I'm not at all analytical, like not one bit. Like it makes my head hurt to think about numbers and to like look at stuff and look at graphs and look at charts because like most people who are doing this shit on YouTube or are creating any kind of content on YouTube, most of them are very analytical. And they, like we were talking about earlier, like, like I'm going to do more stuff. Like if this gets a lot of views, I'm going to do more content like that. Or if people in the comments are saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Like I'm going to do like what they say. Like most people do do that. And I think that's, that is contributes to a lot of success on social media. You got You got You got to do that. You got to be good at doing that. And that's just something I've never been good at. You were saying something else to me earlier though, before we were on here about doing what you want to do though, versus doing what you think people want. And that's a, in my opinion, you know, I only know from doing my own stuff. So take that for what it is. That's something you got to marry, right? Like if you're not doing something that you want to do, you might be able to pull off one piece of good content, two pieces. Eventually like your heart's not there. So like the people who just kind of chase whatever the trend is, that's why a lot of them flame out versus like I, I haven't watched Rogan in a long time, but Mr. Beast was on last week and I queued that fucking thing oh, up really? right or like, I don't know, like three weeks ago or something. I queued that thing up right away. That guy's a, that guy's a fucking psycho. Man. He's a machine. He is mm-hmm. a machine. Now he's, he wants to talk analytical. Oh my God. That man's analytical, but he does, he leans into things that he enjoys, right? It's fun for him. Right. So there's been he talked about videos in the past where the guy's spending a million dollars on a video. He's like, nah, let's cut it. I yeah. don't like it. You know what I mean? He's not like, well, we made it. It's it's analytically appealing. Yeah. Let's put it he's like, nah, this ain't it. And I look at that and I'm like scraps a million dollar video. This guy's this guy's speaking my no, that's a little crazy. I would, that's a little that's a yeah, little, I don't know about little that's little that's crazy. a little crazy. But he's also making <laughs> You know, right. insane money. Right. So and then he, translating he it in all those fucking yeah. languages, dude. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. That was an instant. He is a machine. He's a fact. That was like I saw that, and I'm like, oh, I got two and a half hours, of Mr. Beast talking. Let's hear that shit. <laughs> Nothing like, else is going on. You know that there's going to be little nuggets you can get from that, and really, I got like reassurance on a few things too because he he talked about like the the attention map of people and how how you always have to be testing how you have to figure out like this works versus like the smallest things like a shade on a thumbnail mm-hmm. and stuff like that and there's some of it like you know I'm running my whole shop myself I can't do all this but the things I do a lot what I can I guess 
the things I can do, yeah, I, I want to test with that stuff. I definitely do that with my short content. I'm mm-hmm. always testing, like, even, like, a one frame out of 24 pause that I yeah. normally wouldn't put in there. I'm like, let's try that because this is, like, second 24 of the video. We've had six sentences set already. We have the context and setting placed. I think people are wondering what's happening next, so I can I can afford that extra beat, and people aren't going to flick their thumb. Huh. Like, that was the language he was talking on there, and so right. I appreciated the hell out of that. Like, every single frame of every single video, like, what has to go where to keep people on there and yes. not from clicking off. Yes. That's how you think about your, like your short, your short yes. videos that you make. Yes, because they didn't pick my video. The videos, 99.9% of the people see it in their shorts feed. Mm. It popped up. Every single person is a gun owner on YouTube and TikTok. And the trigger is their thumb. Yeah. Or is the screen. Yeah. And the thing pulling it is their <laughs> thumb. And all they got to do, that's their closing speed. Right? That's what is a, your background? You have circled a comment on there? A comment? A YouTube comment? <laughs> oh, no. That's like an old tweet. Oh, oh okay. A very old tweet. <laughs> but like... That's their closing speed. That's about one to two frames out of 24. Boop. Right. Boop. Boop. Right. So they are, every time you go on there, every single person has a gun in your face. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're ready to pull it. Oh, yeah. And my job is to not make them pull it until the video is played and I'm out of the screen. Right. So that's different than this. Right. Right. I don't ever with a podcast <laughs> bro we said it's just like you do it right that's why i really like this like yeah. it's just like we literally for people listening out there we sat down we just, we just sat down fucking we just started that's it <laughs> you know there's nothing to it dude do you do you how old are you 29 29 do you remember when the first iphone came out yes did you get the first one no dude that was like there's never been anything like when that first iphone came out like, going back to what you're talking about, like, when you were thinking about, like, when you were talking about Steve Jobs taking mushrooms or whatever and, like, creating crazy shit. Like, that moment when that, I remember when my buddy bought that first iPhone and I was, like, looking at it, holding it. It was just, like, this is a, a huge, like, giant leap in technology. Like, there's never been anything even close to this before. There's ne- that was the first thing with a touchscreen ever, I think. Now, did you hold it? I don't know if you remember these details, but did you hold it like at all? Like when you were first looking at it, where you just had it like that and you didn't unlock it and you just looked at it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a work of art. It, it, the first one especially. Like the, the first one was just like, I mean, even though it was so fucking slow and like you could barely use the internet, it took like 10 minutes to boot up a web page and... Like just like looking at the text messaging and what the text looked like because I went from a razor to that first <laughs> fucking iPhone. Bro. Shout out to the razor fam! <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah, Woo. shout out to the razors. No e on that word. That was that was that was an error. I had plenty of razors and Nokia brick phones. Yeah. And oh then, man, and those things never died. No, the Nokias. That was the one thing. They were horrible, but they ne- you could they ne- throw oh, that yeah. shit against they the wall. They brought it back actually. Did they really? Yeah, and it has like a seven-day battery life or some shit on it. Yeah, that sounds like one charge, like one week. My aunt had one, I think, for 11 years. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Fucking thing. She never charged it once. Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting there playing Snake. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, 
I know what you're and saying. And they also had like those customizable face plates on there. Like you could get like gold face plates. Remember, you could get different covers for your I phone. I don't remember oh, yeah, that. The Nokia phones. Covers, yeah. Oh, the Nokia phones. The Nokia ones. Yeah. I don't remember that. Though. Really? No. Oh, oh yeah. you could get all. Oh no, of- I do remember that. Yeah, because you would like take. You're talking about where it would go over the yeah the, the keypad, buttons. the plastic yeah. shell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. Or it's sidekicks. Funny. It's, it's funny. He had sidekicks. The I remember. I had a sidekick, sidekick too. Was fire. What was the other one? The Envy or whatever. Was it the end? The thing that would like slide out that Verizon made? I don't know. I didn't have that one. I had the T-Mobile. Yeah, the sidekick. I think I know what you're talking about, though. But like you're talking about slow and stuff and clunky. Oh yeah. Like you know it was that, but but still, like what were people working with at the time? Yeah. They're working with a fucking like BlackBerry Mm two, right? Like they're working with a razor. Like Mm -hmm. that shit. That internet basically went. Well, it's like booting up. What's that? There's like a term for that. people talk about sometimes the stagnation of tech you heard that term before yeah i know they what talk about it stagnating like there hasn't been any crazy innovation in tech since that first like that first iphone came out and that was like fucking blew everyone that's mind. gonna bother me what the exact it is something try like that. try looking that up austin that just google stagnation that. google of tech. that term it's more the the which law is it that's about exponential technology is that more Moore's Law is the one that says like things come back to center, or come back to Earth. But what's the one that says technology increases at an exponential pace? Oh. That's so bad that I can't remember that. Because they've been trying to argue that we're finally, you know, they're always arguing new normal with stuff. Oh, we're finally reaching the point where we can't go at exponential anymore. Stagnation just means slower. Pro- well, yeah, I know it's stagnation. Um, Can you pull up technological uh, stagnation? Yeah. Yeah, let's click see that, that drop click that down. drop down. See what it says. Uh, we've made advancements, but the basic fabric of life remains broadly the same. The lack of technical revolution has been labeled the great tech stagnation. Some have gone as far as suggesting that all oh the big God. world-changing tech has been made. The low-hanging fruit has been picked. That might huh. that might be the actual <clears> term. <throat> Yeah, I just in my yeah. head I can't. The stagnation hear it right. of tech. I've heard that before. What's what's the law, Andy? I don't know if you can find that. It's like if you type in like tech law of innovation, it's gonna piss me off. It's one of is it Newton's? It's not Newton's. Maybe it's Moore's. It's it's Newton or Moore's. I feel like Newton's law or Moore's law. But yeah, it says like technology always increases at that exponential pace, and eventually it has to not do that just anymore. Just like level off. Yeah, and so there's been people arguing that like, oh, it's starting to happen and level off. Because every iPhone is essentially the same fucking thing with like a little bit of a little bit of an update, right? I mean, like the yeah. cameras are different, or they say it's lighter or faster, or whatever it is. But like, what about behind the scenes though? Not just iPhones. I don't know. Well, like, what, what do you mean behind the scenes? You mean like, like non-consumer type stuff? Like non, right now, non-consumer. non-consumer. Yeah. I mean, it, like, we don't have self-driving cars on the road, right? The first car that successfully did like a decent job self-driving was in 2006. We just don't know that. I mean, we know it, but mm-hmm. we don't have it because why? Because... Washington, D.C. needs two trillion miles of data before they're going to let one right. pen stroke actually let something legitimately mm-hmm. on the road without someone behind a wheel, which in a way, some of that I get. You could say but. Tesla was kind of like a, another kind of like an iPhone yeah. mo- moment in history and like technological history. Agreed. For sure. I mean, today we're driving over here in a Tesla. Yeah. I'm looking at the gas prices. It's like five bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't want to spend the gas money driving to Tampa. 
You're good. Take the wife's Tesla. But yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. There's like, I feel like there's got to be something else, like another kind of like giant leap like that this was. I mean. It hasn't happened. And when did the first iPhone come out? Like 2007. 2007? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute. Jesus Christ. Now we have, I will say we have come a long way from that first iPhone, but I agree with you since like the XR the iPhone innovation seems to be more stagnant. Mm -hmm. Part of that's a company thing though, too. You know, Apple has enough money to buy 78 countries, enough cash flow. But let's one call that I had wrong. I was young when I made it. I was like a teenager. But when Steve Jobs died, I'm like, the innovation just died. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, let's give him a couple years. Let's see. And then a couple years later, they hadn't innovated Nothing. anything. And I'm like, oh, they're going to be dead. They're going to be dead. In like five years, like they're going to, because that's what happens. Slowly and then all of a sudden. Now they had enough cash to be able to keep buying innovation. Right. But like <clears throat> think about new, like Steve Jobs made things we didn't know we need. He right. said, I'm going to put your phone, your music, and your internet all in your pocket. Right. Boom. Right. I'm going to put... Fuck a laptop you can and, and a notepad. You're going to walk around with a tablet. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be touchscreen and do all this crazy shit just like a computer. I'm going to put that there. There hasn't been anything like that since then. No. They've made a watch. <laughs> since, they did make a watch. Okay. But it's a watch. It's just this on a fuck on your wrist, basically. That's it. And it's a watch. Right. That's been done before. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so... I give them a lot of credit from a business perspective. They found a way to keep making the products, even if it's more stagnant recently. They keep making them look better. They still have the best products on the market. I'm a Mac guy. Mm -hmm. I have no plans of leaving that. But, yeah, like you don't have – you don't replace Steve Jobs. No, he was You don't replace Elon Musk, you know. Definitely not. So I think people – like when I study Steve, I'm like, well – if we can pick out the best parts of him, how he looked at the world, maybe people in whatever they do, because I'm not, you know, I'm not out of here building a tech company or mm-hmm. anything, but I'm like, maybe there's good ways to integrate that. And when I read his his beliefs in simplicity, and like I love marketing, as we've talked about, like I'd go back and I'd look at their ads, which are were always genius, and yeah. I'm like, oh. That's it. Where there could be 10 words, he made two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where there could be three colors, he said one. With one, with black text. Right? Like, he made you feel and think something by taking away. Right? And so he and Johnny Ive, like, you talked about, I asked you. Johnny Ive, who is that? Who's that? Is that the guy with the accent? Yeah. The yeah. Australian accent or whatever? Uh, or was it, was it British? I think he's British, I believe. Okay. But yeah, Johnny Ive... Johnny Ive, in my opinion, is the greatest industrial designer to ever live. He was the CDO, chief design officer of Apple. And the reason I asked you, like, if you just looked at it in your hand, was because that's what they did. Like, they sat there, and they pissed off every engineer in the building because they're like, no, it has to look this way. It needs to be an infinity screen. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a case on my phone. They'd probably have a heart attack seeing that. Yeah. That's because they're crazy, but right. I'm not going to not have a case right. on this yeah. investment. But like still, like I try to keep my case one of the ones that you can barely see it's around because I like the, the art of it. But they sat there like, you know, they, they still had to have the home button then, but the rest of it, they wanted it to be an infinity pool. 
And then when Steve saw that a company in Delaware had invented, this also came up earlier when you and I were talking, but had invented this patent that allows just the slightest delay of the eye when you slide across mm-hmm. on your home screen on Apple. He's like, well, we got to buy them because we have to do that. Like, that's how it has to be. So he bought the fucking company. You know, like, there was such a specific way. Yeah. And he would not. It drove some people nuts, but the people, like, his marketing company that advised them, I mm-hmm. forget what it was called, maybe, like, something in Chow, like, that guy, Ken Seagal, wrote a book about it that a third grader could read, which is very apropos, called, like, Simplicity is whatever. Right. Just about his experiences with Steve. And, like, everything they did was just less. Right. How do we do less? And it's the hardest thing they do. Yeah, I mean, he, like, the CEO, the CEO of Apple now, I mean, he's, he's definitely, he's doing a job, right? He's definitely fulfilling obligations. But Steve wasn't treating it like that at all. He was treating it like, like that was his child. Like, yes. that, that was, that was him himself. Like, well, yeah. Did you yes. hear the story about yes. him? The story about him, like, looking at, one of the first iPhones, maybe it was the first one, and he was on Google's website on the phone, and he was like at in the like one a.m. like like late at night. I don't forget, but it was like a ridiculous hour, and he was looking at Google, and he was like, he called the owner of Google or one of the CEO of Google, and he's like, hey, I think the O, the shade of the red <laughs> yeah. in the O, is a little bit off on the iPhone. Can you yeah. double check? I have heard that. Like that's just insane. Yeah, that's how he thought. You got to be fucking crazy. That's how he thought, and it was like. You do got to be crazy, but also, like, if you're just wired that way, mm. you know, I, and mm. some of this stuff, like, people out there, when you read it, maybe a lot of people don't on some things, but a lot of you, you think about some of this stuff, you just don't realize it. Like, I never realized how I thought about text, for example, like, how text looks. I was always very exact about that when I would do something. That was probably another sign I was a creative person and just didn't pay attention but like i'd always be like no no why does that why does that t have the bar at the bottom and i never thought about what sans serif and serif was which i always get them mixed up but one is where it's continuous meaning like if you have an f it's just the lines the other is where it'll have like a design on the back end of the lines like a like another line you know what i mean like a little swirly at the end yeah like, like a little like loopy whoop some just something that makes it not continuous. So they add, right? So like Apple's text. See this right here? See the A up on the screen on N? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See the bottom of the A? How yep. it has bars? The little like, line, yeah. right. That's either, I think that's serif, right? Right. And then sans, yeah, that would make sense. Sans is without, right? It's in Latin, I don't know. But sans serif is like Apple's text mm-hmm. where it's just the A. Mm-hmm. And like shit like that. He studied that stuff. Oh, he actually yeah. knew That's it. I never knew fucking that. Fucking crazy, dude. But the stuff you never pay attention to. Yeah. Like then I'd be like, "Oh, that's why I always would use this text on Snapchat instead like that, of right. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yep. If people can see this right now, if you're listening. Yeah. Google sans serif and serif. <laughs> but yeah, like he thought all those details. Mhm. And I don't know. Maybe that's like part of the analytical thing too. So, and maybe that's why. Do you think he was super analytical, or do you yes. think he was just really? Yeah, he was. He was both. He was a mix. He was very. He was very artistic, and he would deny analytics when it came to 
the final vision. So like if yeah. someone said to him, Steve, the data says that people don't want that wave screen, he'd say, fuck what they want. I know what they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? I do that too with things. Oh, the data says people don't want this kind of music on a clip. And I'm like, fuck what they want. I know that hits. This is what I want. Right. Then it hits. Right. Right. So <clears throat> it's like a yin and a yang. Like, yeah, it's hard. You probably, I definitely get it wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he definitely got it wrong sometimes. But like when you're right, I mean, conviction in the, in the eyes of, or in the face of pushback is very, very difficult. What he do you, was good at that. What do you think he would say if he was alive today about all the criticism about slaves building his phones and mining the fucking minerals for his phones in China? Um, <laughs> I think I, I feel like he would have done something about that. Yeah, well, I think he would have been, I think he would have been fired as CEO because I think he would have been, he would have said something way too blunt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't survive in this in this culture where we're living in right now. For better or worse, and he trust me, canceled. for for sometimes it was for worse because he really didn't give a fuck. You right. know, he had flaws, but like yeah, people say he was ruthless. He would tell you what he thought. <laughs> you know, and like think about that. Mm-hmm. And he died in 2011. Front end of Twitter culture, right? Like some people think he's still alive. Some people think he's... How many people think he's still alive? I saw an Instagram post the other day. I think I sent it to you. It's a bad start. Where it was in, in, in Egypt. The guy sitting oh, no. at a coffee shop in Egypt, they said it was Steve Jobs. I did, I've seen... That's a famous picture. Oh, that. is it? Yeah, I still think Tupac might be alive. Yeah, that's, that's my That's my little <laughs> rabbit hole one. But yeah, I mean, he he probably wouldn't have lasted in this environment. No, he wouldn't. And that's more of a compliment mm-hmm. than it, there's certainly some detraction I'd say to that cuz he really like he'd say he was hard to work for. But his style apparently was he wanted to rip you like in ways that every HR person in America would have a heart attack mm-hmm. today. But like he expected you to do that back to him. So like the people who would be like, "You know what, Steve, I'll see your insult and raise you this one. He'd be like, great. Mm, like, right, you know, right, the, you know right. the movie Ted where he's... The teddy bear with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah. W- where he's trying to get fired by the guy and the guy's like, you fucked an employee in the back of the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you did it on top of a Frosted Flakes. And he's like, and I, I raw dogged her. And he's like, we need more of that. You're promoted. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind, that's an exaggerated version, but that's the way I've read it. I didn't know the guy, but uh-huh. that seems to be right, right, kind of how he was. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You think they're ever going to start making these things in America, though? It's a great point you bring up. I mean, they would only cost like twelve thousand dollars. That's that's the problem. <laughs> Someone said to me though that I don't know who said this to me, so I also don't remember how credible this could be, but someone was saying to me that there are ways to do this that A, aren't in China and B, are not slave labor but it's other countries over there maybe like Cambodia, I don't know like something like that where it's very cheap it's still not ethically the greatest but the distance that that cheap labor will go for those workers in in those economies is farther than where it's going now Yes, it's also not in an authoritarian regime right. like that. Don't talk about that. That's his favorite country is China. Yeah. That's your favorite country? No. It's his favorite place <laughs> he's ever been. He's been to China. He says there's nothing bad he could say about it. 
You've been to China? Yeah, yeah. When'd there. you go? Uh, a long time, probably 10 years ago. Where'd you, where'd you go in China? Uh, stayed in Guangzhou. Went to Hong Kong for a little while. Is that Guang, the- Guangzhou's like southeast. Yeah, that's where they make all the... Uh, that's where they make all... I think that's like the hardware city. I could be wrong about that. Really? But, yeah. I... Th- I remember that. Did you one. stay it's in a like a city? You stayed in like a yeah. six by six huge. box, right? You stayed in a super small place. Yeah, I mean, it's like New York, bro. It's like everyone's mm. apartments. Like Chinese it was like spot. New York. Yeah. China was like New York. Yeah, I don't know how yeah, much it's I like, like a Chinese that. version of New York. It's like oh, just all China people and tall buildings. Nobody has a house, you know. Oh, okay. All right, I see what you're saying. In, in that yeah. aspect, yeah, it's just tiny apartments and. How many people are in that city? Fuck, I don't know. Tons. Can we look that one up? Tons. What's the name of the city again? Population Guangzhou. It's G U A N Z H O. That's one of the pla- that I don't know if that's where Foxconn is. I don't think so. But that's is there what, only one Foxconn? As far as I know, G U A N. I don't. Maybe know. another G and then like Z H O. But it's like, yeah, it's on the southeast coast there, yeah. and China. that's where. Pull up on a map. I can't even. That was it. in the that was in the one autobiography or not autobiography. That was in I think Walter Isaacson's biography where he talked about Steve visiting there. Really, and like some of the deals they made. But there's you know to your point, there's the problem with like slave labor. I don't even know if it's all in China. It might be in other places too. I'm not sure about that. But it's a big country. Yeah, it's a big country. You didn't see any suicide nets when you were there. Yeah, that's no. the other one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. 13 million. Almost 14. 14 million. And New York's what, like seven in Manhattan? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's a big city, man. A lot of people. A lot of fucking people. That's the thing. Population of Manhattan. That's the thing they got going for them over there. They got a lot of people. Lots of people. Demographics are important. Food was really good. What did they do about, uh, you can't have what? You can't have daughters now? Or Or you can only have one daughter? What is the rule? Well, that was... You know, 1.6 million in Manhattan. Wait, what? Holy Wait, shit. Wait, it's 7 million in all of New York City? So all the boroughs put together? <clears throat> no way. Trying to snap it's that it low people, now? Bro. Trying to snap in, bro. <laughs> I might have just sounded like a moron. I wasn't trying to. All I of th- New York? 8.4, okay. Yeah, see that? Fuck, I never... I never thought about that. But that's... But how was... big is Guangzhou compared to Manhattan? What if it was the probably same fucking bigger. size? I don't know. It's probably not. No, it's probably, it's probably, it's probably like the size of New York. That's a it's lot of smaller than Manhattan. It's half the size. I mean, Manhattan's because that includes no, I don't all. Think you can put that many people in this smaller than the eight point four million includes all five. So it's Manhattan, right. Staten Island down south, which a lot of people. That's like kind of like the island borough, uh-huh. Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens. I would have thought it was more, but I guess I always looked at that wrong. I just sounded like a fucking moron, but. What is the size of... Um, Just pull it up on a map. Well, well, Manhattan's... I think it's like the Seven Mile Island, right? Seven miles? I th- maybe I'm wrong about that, too. Know. I don't know. Can you find out the, the square... The square yeah. What do you look for? Square mileage of Miami? Or not Miami. What the well, fuck? Miami's square mileage is 35 miles. We looked that up one time. Really? Yeah. Like the square... You're a like human the encyclopedia. One with, the, with the unit. Really? No, we looked that up on a podcast. I'm What's the square say. mileage of Manhattan? And then find that find out the square mileage of all in New York, maybe Guangzhou. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Watch it be like two miles. In 22, 22 square miles is Manhattan. Is Manhattan? So that think about that. That means Greater New York City, Guangzhou's which includes all the boroughs, is a lot bigger than Miami. Way bigger. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Because that's already 22, just it's Manhattan. Like double, triple the size. And, I mean, Staten Island's enormous in and of itself. Right, right. But then what's Guangzhou? Guangzhou, square mileage. I'm ready to go back. He loves fucking China. I don't think I'm allowed in China. <laughs> I'm definitely not allowed in Russia, I'll tell you that. That's not happening. I love this picture, by the way. It's an all-time Oh yeah, all-time picture. 2,800. Holy Jesus. shit. Pull up the map. Pull up the map. Well, wait a second. That's a province. Well, no. The province is the opposite of what I think it would be. Oh, it's big, bro. Yeah, that's huge. <clears throat> Can you go back for one second, Andy? Just where that said... Uh, Austin. See, yeah. It's Austin. Austin. Yeah. I've been calling you Andy this whole time. <laughs> it's okay. I owe you. I owe you it's a okay. thirty, man. I did too. just meet you like right before, but that's still that's like fair. that's, that's fair. disgusting. I'm sorry. I won't forget that now. Pig. But yeah. So <laughs> why does it say province? Oh yeah. See, the province has a K at the end. I didn't see that. So the province is like the entire region. So that's sixty. Yeah, that's traveling like up into the oh, fucking mountains. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't okay. count. But still, it has a K at the end. <laughs> Two eight seven zero. I just said Miami's thirty five. That's <laughs> fucking <laughs> nuts, isn't so it? So that's actually not that crazy. That it has a thirteen million population. Mm-hmm. It's still a lot, but but I bet you most of that is in one area, probably like New York. You know, probably mm. yeah. Because I wonder if like is that where this Foxconn is? The, is? What's what what uh, province is Foxconn? What the hell is Foxconn? That's the factory they make the iPhones in. Oh, yeah, yeah, where they got the nets, the suicide nets. Oh, where? Yeah, yeah. Danny sent me that video. <laughs> I so I t- started telling him all this shit about China. We had this guy on the podcast and started telling us all this crazy shit about China. <laughs> Who he, was that? It was Matt. Oh, it was Matt. Cox. Oh, Matt. Yeah, Cox. It's like, dude, you ha- you're if you fucking commit any kind of fraud, it's death in China. Yeah. <laughs> death. I mean, oh, it's look. I think people forget. And don't get me wrong. Like we should always be trying to make the system better. And I am definitely a hypocrite because I complain about a lot of shit. But goddamn, is it a lot better here than yeah? Pretty much anywhere else. Yeah. You know, and like we can still, again, like say, well, it's fucked up that we do this or do that. But the alternative, I mean, mm. some of these places. You know, I had this guy on here a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about, we we, start, we started talking, the Andrew Bustamante uh, episode. That Love watched. that guy. He's great. I started questioning him about Julian Assange. And I was like, I was like, well, what do you, I'm like, what do you think about him? Like, what do you think about yeah. his whole story? And then he started talking about Snowden. And he's like, I'm like, do you think what he did was wrong? I'm like, What's your view? He's like, obviously, he thought what he did was wrong. But then he started talking about, like, the levels of civilization. He's like, he started explaining it to me that actually made me kind of, like, take his position on it. Yeah, can you say what this, I listen to all three of his podcasts, but can you explain this again? I don't remember. Yeah, so what he was explaining, he's like, basically, I was like, don't you think that it's right? Would Like, Julian Assange was was just basically exposing, like, the most fucked up secrets that should be exposed to like create more of a balance in the world, right? Like you should, if someone's committing such a fucked up atrocity and hiding it, what is the harm in exposing it to make them better and make them account, start being more accountable for their actions Mm -hmm. to create more of a balance across nations. Yes. Yes. Um, And he goes, no, I'm like, why? He's like, and then he said, do you have kids? And I'm like, yeah, of course, I, I, have, I have kids. He's like, well, do you tell your kids everything that you do? And I'm like, 
I'm like, okay, I, I kind of see where you're going with that. I but remember the, this now. And yeah. then, and then he's like, he started explaining the the hierarchy or the pyramid of a state, the yeah. formation of a state. He's like, if we're all free roamers, he's like, I could club you over the head, take your wife, and there's nothing you can do about it. But if we form a tribe, now you're protected by your tribe. So we can go out and we can kill the food, and the wives the wives can stay home and pick the berries. And if somebody comes in and tries to steal one of our wives, you have the power of the tribe to protect to protect us and take care of each other. Yeah. And then he's like, once you get above the tribe, you have the creation of the state. And he's like, when you have that, you know, he called you called it like a pyramid, right? He called it a pyramid, yeah. yeah. Um, and he started to explain it, and, and it made a lot of sense. He's like, and then the other point he made which i don't know if this is true or not because i know there's a lot of like he said she said and there's a lot of it's hard to know the truth but he said that julian assange wasn't fair with the shit that he exposed he said he only exposed american shit yeah if he would have exposed chinese and russian shit just as much as he exposed american shit it wouldn't be he maybe not he might not have that same position on julian assange that same that same view on him First but all, he was first only all, anti-American. People should turn off this podcast real quick and go listen to that latest one you did with him. Yeah. If, if, yeah. Because that was an unbelievable podcast. The last one you just did on like Ukraine and all that. Yeah, yeah. Where this conversation happened. That podcast, like, I was thinking about that one a lot. And I didn't yeah. understand the word you were saying, like the levels of society. But once you started explaining that, this was mm-hmm. one of the key moments of the podcast where right. I was like, yeah. whoa. His point was like, like right now everyone, everyone is like, we're losing our freedoms. We're losing our freedoms. Yeah. And, and we, we don't have freedom of speech. We don't have this freedom to do that. We're wearing our masks. We're taking my freedoms. And, uh, you know, he's like, you have to, the only people that are truly free is that tribe on that island and off the coast yeah. of Africa that have nothing but spears. And he's like, you have to, if you want to be a part and participate in this community that we've created, you have to be okay with giving up freedoms. Like, you know what, you know what his argument was? It was the ultimate swallow the pill argument. Like that's how I pictured it because it was a galaxy brain argument that maybe they came up at the CIA headquarters yeah, and, he, yeah. and he very well retweeted it himself there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I like how that guy talks. I appreciate how blunt he is. Mm-hmm. I mean he really says a lot of shit right. on your podcast that yeah. similarly to Jim from his perspective and whatever, I'm like, wow, like I can't believe he's saying that. But – that one sent me spinning <laughs> because it's the be- and I could see like let's assume he is speaking for the good people at the CIA or in the government mm-hmm. right and I always try to use this example but you have to remember that these agencies for every 10 people who are in the room nine of them might be great people who are, like, there for the right reasons, good people, all about freedom of America, trying to do their job to protect our interests, even if once in a while, like, they overstep something, they're, they don't think of it that way, and they're not going after domestic people, mm-hmm. you know, and they're trying to protect people. Like, their intentions are good. But if you have one bad person out of those ten, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, now we're allowed to do this? We're going to take it a mile farther, which mm-hmm. is what Edward Snowden talked about. And that's why I disagree with a lot of Andrew's overall opinions on guys like Snowden and Assange. However, I appreciate that 
he doesn't there was one argument that's the usual lazy argument with Snowden like he did the right thing the wrong way I've heard that one mm-hmm. before but the rest of it he makes you think because mm-hmm. he's putting the ball in your court and saying well which one do you want like you can't and and I guess the point is he tells you unfortunately there's there's nothing that exists that is 100% and actually in the scope of the world he's right about that it's like there's good and there's bad. You're never going to have a perfect situation. So he's saying, are you willing to give up a couple of these things, which immediately, when you say, oh, are you willing to give up? A bunch of people out there go, you will not infringe all my rights. Exactly, you know, like, exactly. Right away. Like, yep. fuck this deep state shit. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why I do that in a southern accent, but it's always funnier. Because they all have southern accents. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, they, Freedom! they immediately go to that. But his intent with that, like you just laid out, what he said on on Assange. He is statistically right that Assange's stories more target are the ire is the United States government. Mm-hmm. Now here's the double edge of that. On the one hand, you want to be honest to improve, right? You can say, hey, we're great. This is a great place. Democracy, freedom, America, we love it. But we want to fix some things too. We don't do everything right. So how do you do that? You draw attention to it. How do you draw attention to it? A guy like Julian Assange exists and draws attention to it. At the CIA, you recognize that all these other countries around the world, they don't have these out-of-bounds lines to play. No. Mm-hmm. So you're, who are you trying to protect the American people against every day? Trying to protect them against China, against Russia, Name the big countries, right, who don't have these rights. And you know that if China doesn't like something that's said, they just kill you. Mm-hmm. And you're pissed off because China, just using that example, they're the biggest one, communist government, doesn't have freedom of speech, doesn't have all this shit. What do they do? They use their money and their influence to take advantage of the fact that we do. So we can share this stuff. And so then it puts the focus on us. And makes us divide from within rather than keeping the focus on them and Mm. killing people for stealing a chocolate bar Mm. or not preventing or not allowing people to say the words Houston Rockets on social media because Daryl Morey said something about Hong Kong. Right. Right. So now the focus comes on the American citizens are online talking about America. And, And again, for the right reasons, we want to improve things that are bad. But then the CIA where these other places realize that then the focus is off the target and they want to get the focus back on the target and they just want people to shut the fuck up and know that like, hey, we're going to fix a few of these things, even if they're not, which is the danger, right? Like it took 11 years before Edward Snowden was the guy who came out and said something. No one ever said anything. They, you know, they violated the Constitution right? thanks to Dick Cheney for right. like 11 years. Patriot Act. Yes. Started with that, went to Stellar Wind, boom, 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 boom. And finally someone said, okay, we're going to talk about this, right? And so that's why, like, his side note, his argument about he did the right thing the wrong way. Number one, I'll bet there were at least a couple people who brought that up before the right way. You never heard from them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were never True. heard from again. True. Right? I also don't see how that gives countries like Russia or China an advantage over us or how it puts us in danger to those countries by, by saying that the U.S. government's spying on its own people. He's saying that by holding our government to a way higher standard than we hold theirs because it's here it's on our turf it's our people 
we're all about optimism, freedom, democracy. By doing that, you are taking away our ability to keep our eye on the prize and do our job and operate in a way that, by the way, includes fucking up elections and putting other people in office. Like the same shit we accuse people of doing here, which they do interfere in our election process through like the internet and things like that. Like as far as Russia and China will put out all kinds of social media information to get people talking. Like, this is backed by data. Renee, the rest, has been on every podcast in the world talking about it. Right. Like, we act like, oh, they're the only ones doing that. But we do that too. Mm-hmm. And when we're doing it, this is where good and evil, it's like, well, what is good and evil? Is it good? You know, if we stop, like, some crazy dictator from going into power, that's supposed to be right. good, right? But what is, what if, what if we're not good? Mm-hmm. It's like, it gets really complicated, And so what he's saying is, if you make us play to such a higher standard in the intelligence universe, the under the ground, like, spooky stuff, we're going to lose to these guys because they don't have to play by those rules. Right. And as much as I disagree with the idea, because I'm very glad Edward, I love what Edward Snowden did. Very Mm. much a brilliant reporting, by the way, by by Glenn Greenwald and, and Laura Portras and everything. I love that we got that. Wish we did more with it as a people. Kind of forgot about it. But, you know, it's hard for me to not also understand where he's coming from with that. You know, and right. so I get here and I'm like, and this happens all the time with me. It probably drives some people nuts when they listen to the podcast and we have issues like this. Like, I see it both ways. I really do. Like, that's my... curse in life like I don't really it can be both ways it can both things can be true like you said yeah yeah but that was you getting him to lay that out that was like some of the best podcast content I've ever heard because I was like Mm. I was walking my dog and I didn't realize (laughs) we were like seven miles into the walk I didn't even know where the fuck I was (laughs) and I'm just like thinking about I'm like oh shit I gotta go back but it was just like you have to give it to him he laid out a very difficult which pill you take in scenario doesn't mean he's right but i also couldn't definitively say he's all wrong Mm -hmm. what was the what was the uh the project solar wind or what was it called solar wind stellar stellar winds what was that one so fucked up man stellar wind was essentially i don't know is it a project or a code i don't know what the term is but it's the thing that snowden exposed so after the patriarch I think Stellar Wind, now I'm going to forget it on camera here. But I think Stellar Wind was the one where... Warrantless surveillance programs under the George W. Bush. Exactly, exactly. So this was Dick Cheney's baby, of course. Right. And it allowed them to basically spy on anyone at will. So all these things we have sitting in front of us, even when it's off... I think unless it's still powered a hot down, mic, yeah. still a hot mic. <clears throat> I can hear everything we say right now. I mean, I'm fucked. <laughs> I don't buy <laughs> you. I am fucked. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who say I don't give a fuck what they have because I'm not doing anything wrong. I hear you. I think the same way. Even if I say fucked up shit sometimes and right. throw out crazy ideas when I'm high, but. Right. By and large, everyone's going to say something wrong on there. It's just like in the future, like what what could be done with that? Mm. What could be taken? We see context, like how right. much shit gets taken out of context. What what happens when you know the Orwellian world 
if that were ever a thing, actually happens. Right. Is that used? Mm. Do you want them having that power? Do you care that technically, and I say the word technically there, because I'm looking at it like maybe from Bustamante's point of view, technically we're infringing on your constitutional rights completely. But we're not doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. We're only right, going after the goddamn that's, terrorists. That's what yeah. he said. <laughs> now watch this drive. <laughs> watch this drive. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Can we put that clip in the oh, corner? Can you please let's play that awesome. real quick? Oh, Find the George God. W. Bush interview about about uh, about terrorism uh, on the golf course. That I, is the best. I generally that is the best blame thing ever. that administration on Dick Cheney. However, yeah. George Bush did hire him. I will forever say though, George Bush dark as this is was funny as fuck. <laughs> i don't know that he tried to be but he, no, he was humorous yeah funny just looking fuck. at him and listening to him talk how watching you, him his facial expression the way he moved yeah. his mouth and his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> we will we will find you we will, we will kill you if you're not with us you're with the terrorists <laughs> the best is now the watch this drive <laughs> the, yeah. the best is the mission accomplished picture behind him like two weeks oh, yeah. into the war we're done fellas <laughs> 20 years later <laughs> Oh my God! Dude. Oh, what an administration! Wait till you watch that fucking nine eleven documentary I sent you, dude. Yeah, yeah. You keep telling me I gotta watch that. <clears throat> yeah, this is it. This is it. Yes. Press play. <coughs> you might have to fast forward a little bit. Absolutely fantastic. You gotta press play. There you go. If you're harboring terrorists, <laughs> there you go. Skip. You're either with us or against us. Uh. Yeah, how long is this? Oh, oh, it's a minute. Where is this at? Where? I don't know. That's a good question. No, it's not Florida. Oh, it's already funny. Is that his dad? Delaware, the place you golfed at. Delaware? Not him. Here it is. Uh, (laughs) Look at the hands. Are there cue cards up back there? I think there are. Well, there's just a random press conference on the ninth hole. Watch this. I've seen it. <laughs> He's ad living. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank you. Now watch this drive. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. Uh, I gotta see the drive now. Oh, uh, that is. Yeah, they, there's like a video cut where they cut right he to the drive. He fucking pipes this thing right down the fair. Woo! <laughs> Look at a finish. Oh, he's reaching for the maybe mulligan. He's reloading. <laughs> he's reloading. <laughs> look at, look at, sitting back, not giving a fuck in the world. <laughs> Just imagine. Oh. That's a nice fucking golf course. Look at that. Fuck yeah. Yeah, where is that? Does it say in the description? I wonder what golf course that was. It's in be. Iraq. Yeah, it's, yeah, golf course in Iraq. No, it's oh, not going to I don't know where that was, but still, like, that's... <sighs> That's typical Bush, man. I don't know. He's he was he was a soundbite everywhere. He's in what's he in a uh, he's in a J Cole song too. Is he at the drop? Which song is that? Where he's like, I'll tell you what, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. 
Shame on you. He does have some of the best fucking quotes of all time. Just what was uh and then the Kanye West while he was in office. George Bush hates black people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like Kanye staring at the screen. And Mike Myers is like, what the fuck? Operation Kino. Like Oh my god. Wasn't that during like SNL or something? I don't know, it was some live feed or so it was like a live it was could, like a live feed or something. Could you imagine Bush in the social media era? I mean, we saw it with Trump and what that was. I mean, we're seeing it with Biden again. Mm-hmm. But, like, imagine that guy with that situation. And, yeah, oh, different. my God. Because it was the stakes were so insane when that all happened. Oh, yeah. Time. Memes would have been awesome. Yeah. I wish I was, like, paying attention to shit back then. Yeah. You know. Too. I was really young. But I wonder what it was like. Like, do you think there was a lot of a lot of people aware of all the bullshit going on like nowadays when you see shit happen like this russia ukraine thing going on there's so many different views there's not one narrative there's fucking like 14 narratives about this whole this whole conflict going on i wonder if it was like that in the pre-social media days like during the during 9-11 and the war on terror like was there people actively thinking like wow this could have been an inside job you know this could be sure. all a fucking uh, you know there were a few people yeah another sure. Pearl Harbor out there for everybody to see it there were some yeah, because people you can't, you can't share ideas Pe- ideas can't go as viral as they no, do now no it th- I mean it didn't the internet was www.whatevertheFuck.com right. yeah. at right. the time you right. know like there was it was like the dial up speed so it wasn't like that but yeah, I know there were some people right away. I mean, just statistically, there had to be. It's just, I can't imagine dealing with that in the social media era. And, like, you talk about what the narratives were compared to what we're seeing outside right now with Russia, Ukraine. I mean, look at how many senators and congressmen supported the war, not the war in Afghanistan, which even today. I could say, like, yeah, you had to go. The Taliban was harboring these guys. Like, you had to go over there. The war in Iraq, though? Look at all the people who voted for that. This was a bipartisan thing. Right. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was skewed. Right. right? And there may be some, like, typical stereotypical politicians who are still in office today who suck, but there were a few, even among the ones who suck, who actually did vote against that. And I will give them credit for that. Maybe they did it for the wrong reasons, but they right. did. They voted against it, yeah. Because, like, you know, David Satter and I were talking about this and the whole WMD thing. And he's like, well, you know, the Israeli and, and Russian intelligence both thought there were WMD there, too. And I'm like, yeah, but hindsight's twenty twenty. But our intelligence, like, we knew it was bullshit. We knew it was, like, a no percent chance. They talked about Iraq, like... The night of 9-11. They're like, well, Iraq definitely has something to do with this. Right. And the thing is, like, <clears throat> Trump said more stupid shit than you could ever count on the campaign trail in 2015-2016. There were a couple things he said that were kind of inarguable, though. And one, and it was funny, too, because he's just a comedic kind of guy. But, like, he said, uh, I remember this line. He would repeat this over and over, like all his other lines. But he would say, Saddam Hussein, bad guy, bad guy, killed terrorists. Bad guy killed terrorists. You know, we shouldn't have done that. And it is true. Saddam was an awful human being. He was a genocidal maniac, right? And this is the horrible... We can relate this to what's going on right now, too, by the way. But, like, this is the horrible reality. Unfortunately, there are some really bad people in the world. And you can't technically police all of them at all times. Right. Like, what happens within someone's borders 
sometimes like the will of the people, just like communism eventually fell, like David was saying, it was like 15% of the Soviet Union society that was responsible for that happening. That's all it took. Sometimes the will of the people, even in a small percentage, hmm. for good, has to rise up to stop like the absolute epitome of evil, whatever that evil is. Right. And like with Saddam, he wasn't friends with Al-Qaeda. In fact, he didn't like them. Right. He killed them. Right. Right? So it had nothing to do with 9-11. It was a money thing, for sure. I mean, everything's money, let's be mm. honest. Right. But, you know, it was, it, you talk about like the... Dwight Eisenhower's speech on the military-industrial complex. I mean, there you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And, like, I mean, did you see the movie Vice? Adam McKay no. did it? No. A few years ago? No. I heard um, about it. Yeah. Now, obviously, anytime someone really <clears throat> biased does something, people discredit him, whatever. Right. So, I guess Adam McKay is, like, very, very, very liberal or whatever. But, like, he did a movie on Dick Cheney. You know, some of it probably took a little comedic effect because it, it was supposed to be kind of funny, like dark comedy, but very accurate, man. Really? Yeah, like very, very... What does he talk about? It just walks you through his life and like how it all happened. And again, takes mm. some comedic stretches, but this guy was just... I mean, he was in control mm-hmm. in that White House. I don't know what kind of pictures he had of George W. Bush. He <laughs> has some. Because, I mean, another thing people don't talk about and, like, when they did the 20-year documentary where Bush was in it, Cheney was in it, everyone was in it on Apple this past year for September 11th, you know, there's more than credible evidence. It's kind of obvious that Dick Cheney broke the ultimate law on September 11th. He ordered the shooting down of a civilian yeah. jet if it was coming towards Washington, D.C. And they asked him, because the president was not incapacitated. He was in... Air Force One. So the vice president is not acting president right now. Right. And they said, is this a presidential order? And he, and he like, without saying it, kind of, I guess like, kind of like Aaron Rodgers was like, I've been immunized. Yeah. <laughs> he, did, he did the same, <coughs> I, I've been presidentialized or like something. Right. Like, and he hadn't been. He should have been out of office right there. And he wasn't. When he, he ordered the shoot down of yeah. a commercial jet if it was flying towards the White House? If it was flying towards, I think, he gave whatever the military go-ahead was, and people, please Google this to check this out exactly what it was, but he gave the military go-ahead, I believe, for the fighter jets that were in the sky to <clears throat> actively shoot down a civilian jet that wouldn't respond or something to mm. to Air Force control. Right. And... That's, you know, and and it sounds, even for him, it was a heavy thing, but, like, he gave the order. Right. And it wasn't, he wasn't allowed to do that. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And, I, like, they talk about it openly. Like, I see, what I, what, I, what I heard was, especially in that 9-11 documentary, they talk about how he gave specifically an order to not shoot down the jets, that, the jet that was coming towards the Pentagon. The jet that the the jet that was coming towards the Pentagon did some crazy big loop, and it was it was not communicating VFR for like a long time, and they knew something was fishy with that plane, with the with the flight that it was taking, the flight yeah. path that it was taking, and there was a communication with the guy that was under under Cheney, who <clears throat> they were in some sort of like a command room, and uh, they talk about the kid 
the kid, he was a kid at the time. He keeps coming into the command room where Cheney was in. He goes, sir, the plane is <coughs> uh, 50 miles out. And he's like, okay, stand by. So the kid goes back in the other room. He comes back, you know. About the Pentagon plane. The, about the Pentagon. Seven, seven. To the audio. Yeah, then he's like, he's like, okay, the plane is, is uh, 30 miles out. Does the order still stand? He's like, yes. The kid disappears. Comes And this is all recorded. And this was, this was, they would test, this was, this whole situation was um, talked about, like, during the 9-11 commission and, like, under, like in front of Congress and all that kind of shit. Like, they, they really they interviewed the guy that was in the room and he talked about it and he changed his story. Mm. Um, and he comes in again. He's like, okay, the plane is 10 miles out. Does the order still stand, sir? Does the order still stand? Like, he was, like, panicking visually, like, sweating. And Dick Cheney was like, yes, the order still stands. Like, barked, like, like ye- yelled at him. And never ordered to have the plane shot down or anything like that. Like he, there was an order to not have the plane shot down. Now I have to see this. I have not seen yeah. this documentary. I still have to watch this. But off the top of my head, there's a lot to un- there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, but yeah off yeah. the top I, of my I'm head, I'm loosely paraphrasing what was happening, but that was the gist of it. I believe this could be a situation. It could be. I don't know. I have to see it. Mm. Where they are. Re where they're changing the context because I believe the context was this is all recorded and he was saying this about the jet that was approaching like that you have the order to shoot it down if it gets closer and then it never came to that because something happened in Shanksville they took it down right the people took it down mm-hmm. like they turned the plane mm-hmm. boop, right down into the mm-hmm. ground unless <clears throat> conspiracy had on it did get shot down we just never admitted that in this documentary they they basically try to prove that that plane that came down to Pennsylvania uh, in that big open field, that that was shot down. By, that by would be very, very hard to cover up. That would be so, so... Now, look, it's been done before. You can ask Jim about TWA 800. He was, you should ask him about that. Is, that, that, is that with that flight? That 96. Flight? Okay. The one that blew up. He was on that investigation. I believe his job was one of his main jobs was to interview all the expert pilots like that they could get their hands on and run through every scenario and every single pilot to a T told him it got shot down and that's not what the official story was. So it's not like this hasn't happened, but I believe that was like over the ocean or something. Maybe I, I'm not sure about that. I have to check that, but we're we're talking about the same plane, right? That was TWA 800 in 1996, I believe. Oh, okay. right. Okay. I'm, so I was talking about the one on September 11th. I know. Okay. So I'm coming back to September 11th okay. now. This was over land. Right. Now, best possible type of area for the least amount of people is a more rural area. But it was over land. Mm-hmm. They'd have to cover every witness there and get them quiet in an open society. You know, there's shit that happens, but like this is still an open <laughs> society. There were cameras everywhere. The media would have had to be in on it, period. Which. You know, some cynics would say, well, that's not hard, but this, is too th- this was a different time. You know, and the power of the media was not as what the internet wasn't the thing. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't as coordinated. It didn't have the ability to be at the time. Right. So, like, furthermore, the evidence on the ground, like, there's so much that has to be there. But, like, here's what I always say with the 9-11 thing. And, again, I got, I got to watch the one you, you tell me. But I think... We have been so fucked over six ways to Sunday over the last 20 years in a way that our nation hasn't been fucked over since the Great Depression and before that 
the Civil War and before that the Revolutionary War, that, of course, naturally, we all turn to things to try to make sense of it and speak truth to power and call out where bad things happen, which we should do, by the way. That's a positive trait. I try to live like here, though, where I listen to a guy like Andrew, who I think has the right intentions, obviously smart guy, Mm -hmm. talented guy, and I try to listen with a critical ear and a grain of salt, and a guy like Jim, too, Mm -hmm. you know, and also try to hear where there's truth, where there's not bias, right? There's some things where there's not. With September 11th, I think one of the things that we got to remember is that like everything that's complicated, which is most things in this world, there's a lot of things that are true at the same time. So it can be true that planes flew into buildings and the people who were in power might have been horrified at you know that day and what happened, but they took advantage of it. They did a whole bunch of shit that they had, you know, deep state, had mm. wanted to do for a long time. Right. <clears throat> caused ground-altering precedents to happen that we have to live with today, and we've seen all the tentacle after effects of this. At the same time, and this part is true, this is confirmed. You ever seen The Looming Tower? No. Okay, this was a book, and then it was a 10-part miniseries on Hulu like five years ago. I think I watched the first episode. All right. Phenomenal. So this is true. The FBI and the CIA did not get along. Right, right. Right? So part of the reason I look at it and I'm like, not an inside job is because we do have a record. The CIA, Kofor Black, and another guy who has a fake name because he's undercover to this day with the CIA, went to the White House Mm -hmm. on, I think it was July 6th, 2001. (laughs) It was sometime in July, two months before. We have the minutes. We have the write-up. They're saying they're coming here. It's happening. Right, right, right. They knew it. The problem was Alex Station, which was the bin Laden unit at the CIA, would meet with the counterterrorism FBI unit, the national security advisor, I think his name was Richard or William Clark, something like that, and some of the generals every week in Washington to share information. And the guy who represented the FBI was a guy named John O'Neill, who is the basis of the Looming Tower. You can ask Jim about him. He didn't have the greatest reputation because he was a ladies' man. He had like three wives at the same time. It was kind of interesting. Like, guy of the night, (laughs) brash, didn't give a shit about anyone but himself. But he was a pretty good agent. But he was a cop. Like, he wanted the arrest. He wanted the arrest. Mm-hmm. How does CIA operate? They want information. They see a guy that they get in, and they don't want to put handcuffs on him. They want to say, we got you six ways to Sunday. You work for us now. Yeah. Right? And now they get to a bigger fish. Right. So naturally, John O'Neill, CIA, didn't get along. So the CIA, and we know this. This is a fact. The CIA did not share a lot of information with the FBI, including when some of these targets entered America, which, and righteously so, this is where you will get people to come in and be like, they made it happen, and all that. Right. The thing is, so many things had to go right that day that they would have never left out of their control. Like, these guys had to successfully get through every level of security where we know they had a couple close calls. We know for a fact that the guy up in Maine on the initial flight at 6 a.m. almost stopped Muhammad Atta. 
and didn't let him on the jet. CIA would have never let that happen. Like, this would have been like, oh, yeah, these guys are going right through. Right. They would have had their own stand in there at the, at the TSA. And then, you know, we saw the planes go in. The one people always talk about is the Pentagon because there's only one weird, you know, 140-pixel footage of it. you can't even really see a plane. Right. But, you know, we, we saw... My favorite people are the ones who are like, those weren't planes going into the Twin Towers. Like, dude, we have a trillion angles of it. It's I'll show you. They're definitely it, planes. It was a plane. Right? So all these things can be true at the same time. And then the government, the bad actors in the government, in which case I would argue the people in power, that was some of the most corrupt inside government we've ever had at one time, I think, at least of what we know in history. You look at Cheney, you look at Rumsfeld. You look at all these guys, right? They took advantage of it, and then they made money off it. They went to Iraq. It wasn't good enough to go to Afghanistan. Right. You know, we did a great job in Afghanistan for five minutes before, you know, without getting bin Laden. That was the one thing that sucked, you know, for, like, symbolism purposes. We eventually got him. But then, you know, one thing Obama said that he was spot on about is he's like, we took our eye off the ball. (laughs) Now, it's easy to say that seven years later, you know. Politically easy to say, but it's true. We start focusing on Iraq, right? And now look what happened with Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really sad. Like, you know, there's some extremists there, but then there's a lot of innocent people who were caught in the middle of this, who were right. never given a chance. Once we did go in there, it's like, well, now they can be liberated. They can go to school. They right. don't have to live in this crazy society. And we allowed a power vacuum to form because. We took away our resources from there, and we sent him somewhere for, you know, Bush wanted to finish his dad's job, or I don't know what, what the fuck, who right, knows. Right, right. But <clears throat> a lot of things can be true at the same time, and I just always try to keep that in mind. So, like, I'll watch, I'll, I'll look at something like that, because I'm always curious, but I don't, I've ne- that's one I've never put credence into. You know, you want to talk Epstein, of course, like, that guy didn't kill himself. You know, there's certain things that are just... <clears throat> You can tell. Like, they right. make it so obvious, which is sad that people can't see that. Who was the latest that. person that killed themselves? Uh, Jean-Luc Jean-Luc Burnell. Burnell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The French <laughs> model agency guy. Now, you want to know about that one? That's so interesting to me. Jeffrey Epstein killed himself in the wee hours of a Saturday morning in August. August is statistically, I believe, the slowest news month of the year. We know that Saturday, Friday, after 10 p.m. on Friday, before 1 or 2 p.m. on Saturday... That is the slowest statistical news time of the week. This right. man killed himself at 2 a.m. in That's a jail. People aren't looking at their phones or watching the news. Yeah. In a jail where the cameras malfunction, the security wasn't there, the, acting, or the attorney general at the time's father is the guy who gave this dude his first job ever. Like, you can't make this shit up. And at least people were somewhat on it then. So now John Luke Brunel spends whatever it was, two years almost, a year, whatever it was, in some French prison, so not here, he kills himself in the wee hours of a Saturday morning in France on the weekend of President's Day weekend in America. So it's a three-day weekend. In the early morning hours without a camera on. He knew where all the bodies were buried, or a lot of them. Right. That week, Russia invades Ukraine. Fitting. Very, very fitting. Very fitting. You know, like, what do you think of that whole thing, Epstein? I don't know, man. I I don't fucking know. I think, uh, 
I think that there's some definite fucking espionage going on, probably. I think he was definitely some sort of spy. You know, the, the whole the whole thing that fascinates me is is how the fuck is Ghislaine getting through all the shit that she's getting through? Like, she's getting... She went through that whole entire trial, and... Do you know what what the um what the verdict of that like what it ended up happening with her trial isn't she going to go back and is she, isn't she getting some sort of appeal? Well, now apparently a juror may have lied. Right. So there was a juror <laughs> that right. When did her verdict come out? I don't remember. When I forgot this one. I don't know. It either. came out on I believe it was Wednesday evening, <clears throat> December 29th. Okay. The was slowest it? news week of the year. In an evening, 2 days before New Year's Eve on a year where New Year's Eve even falls on Friday. So the New Year's is on Saturday. January 2nd is on Sunday. You don't even get back into the swing of things until January 3rd, and it's five days old, and no one paid attention. So no one gave a shit that the judge sealed all the files. They're sealed. Boop. Gone. And also that judge... And this, this Wait, what one, do you mean sealed the file? She sealed the Epstein records. It well, cannot be released. Like the, the things that were not <laughs> like the presented, evidence? Yeah, that were not presented at trial are like Kennedy'd. They're JFK'd. Really? Yeah. So When and, else has that happened besides JFK? It's a good question. It, I mean, it's happened. Okay. I don't know, but it, it's it's... There's other things we could think Because there's of. national security implications? Yeah, I think they did some of that for the 9-11 Commission report. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, though, Austin. That might, you might want to check that. But, yeah, like, they're telling you what they're doing. Now, are there, first of all, are there other Epsteins out there that we don't know about? Yes. Do governments around the world do crazy shit like this mm. yes do we know who he worked for for sure no but he was the most public i mean he was in new he was on i walked past his house <laughs> he's right really? next to central park yeah he's on like 69th street or, no it's not 69th <laughs> i didn't mean to do that i'm sorry ironic. i think Does it's it have that little je yes. insignia right there i want to say it's like 71st street or something on the upper east side though it's like it's like right there, pretty dangerously close to sixty nine. But you know, he I, I went back and I was looking at this a couple months ago after this trial. And I'm like, when did this start? Like we saw the story creep up in twenty fifteen. And then the lawsuit like came in in twenty seventeen and people were talking about it a little bit, then twenty nineteen, boom, like he's in jail and then he's dead, like the whole thing. I, I'm like, when did they report on this guy first, though? Mm. And I'm like, well, we know about the 2002 flight. So you, I had known that. You go Google it. You'll see stories in, like, Vanity Fair and stuff, mm, like right. early stuff about him. He first popped on people's radar in seemingly, like, 2002. And what popped him on was that flight with Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, and, and Chris Tucker to Africa. <laughs> what a fucking flight. What a flight. So I'm like, okay. Where can I find a story where this was reported? Because every time they would talk about it, it would be in a story from 2015, like the famous 2002 flight. And right. I Googled 2002 flight with all kinds of keywords and like the quotes to try to separate stuff out. And I could never find a story from like October 1st, 2002. Clinton on flight with 
billionaire, mysterious billionaire. I could no. never find that. Oh. And so then I found, I think it was in the New Yorker, did a big piece on October, I think it was October 28th, 2002. And I went and found the flight log first. And the flight log has it, it was like September 21st or September 22nd, 2002, where it has this flight and it has the names written down, President Bill Clinton, Chris Tucker, Kevin Spacey on the logs that his pilot physically wrote down because that's available online. And so then in this New Yorker or whatever it was piece, they say the mysterious billionaire came on people's radar when page six reported. So page six in the New York Post. Boom, there it is. They're the ones who reported this flight. Mm. So I go to page six. I go to archives. There are archives of every month from 1999 when they started putting it online through today, except in 2002 and 2003, including September and I believe October 2002 are not in there. There's seven months missing from 2002 and five from 2003 right after the story, and then there's one month missing in 2004. There's not a single month missing, including 1999, 2000, and 2001 to present day. Wow. So when this would have been reported, you can't even get that. So... What I wonder with him is, like, we always wonder, like, what is a secret that's too big that humanity or society, at least, whatever relevant society, like, couldn't handle it? If you found out that governments, whoever they are, made a trade-off where they said, we're going to allow, not allow, we're going to enable someone to be a total pervert for the next 40, 50 years... And here's what we're going to get out of it for civilization over the next 1,000 years. Because some of these people, they look <laughs> crazy. They're, they're thinking about the survival of certain, like, <clears throat> ethnic groups in different countries around the world into the future. And so they're looking at, like, well, how do we make sure all, all of us survive, right? Do they sit in a room and say, yeah, we'll sacrifice the lives of 50,000 girls, effectively, over the next five decades to get this kind of information, to get not just information, get this leverage over people so that we can control what happens. And I start to put that together, and I'm like, I could see people convincing themselves to make that trade in a room, just dark room like this, with the top people, the president of a country, prime minister, whatever, you know, the head of intelligence in his right hand, Mm-hmm. The head, pol- probably not even the head police chief, like a very select group of like the highest level figures saying, are we going to make this, what, what's the line in, in Glorious Bastards? You make that deal, I'll make that deal, right? Yeah. Like they might. And then it's a question of, well, who who would do that? I, I don't think this one was the CIA. I, I have other thoughts on that, but I don't know. I know as much as the next fucking person. We don't, no one knows. It's just so mysterious because they allowed this one this is why he's interesting they allowed him to get so public that it's right there in front of your face yeah and yet you can touch him but you can't you can't feel it right 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 you know but there's there was a guy you ask anyone about this in government they're gonna know his name this guy adnan khashoggi you ever hear him see the arms dealer yep dude i was had a Oh my god! I can't even say this on the podcast. Right. I'm going to say it after. Oh no, you can't do that. I don't. I can't okay. implicate. All right. All right. I can't implicate one of my guests. Okay, fair. fair. But I just fucking learned who this guy was like two days ago. I heard the craziest fucking stories. Okay, I'll ask, remind ask, me. Don't let me forget about this. Get David to dig deeper on him. 
I didn't. We got off it because I wanted to go somewhere else when I had him on. But okay. Adnan Khashoggi was an arms dealer from Saudi who wasn't. I don't think he had any blood of the royal family. I think he was like he got in with them early, and he's known to every government agency because he lived in New York and a tower and other places around the world. And it was reported that he was Jeffrey Epstein's mentor because one of the things Adnan Khashoggi had, yeah, was he was apparently also like a sex trafficker and like a really, I don't know if this is how you say it, but like a good one, like someone who knows what they're doing at least. There's no good sex trafficker. Don't professional sex yes, trafficker. Yes, professional. <laughs> like he was talented at it, I should say. So very evil guy. And... He, in in 1999, this is where it, like, all starts to come together, and you're like, how far does this shit go? Like, is there anything <laughs> that this doesn't does tie this to? Does this ever fucking end? No. So I read in David's book, and context for people who don't know, David Satter, had him on my podcast. I think you're going to have him on this one, too. He was, is, the reporter who blew the whistle on Putin 25 years ago. He's an American reporter. He is, to this day, the only Western, non-Russian reporter who has ever been kicked out of Russia. In post, He was actually kicked. He's, he was the last reporter they let back in after the Soviet Union fell because he had been kicked out. And he was the first reporter and only reporter they kicked out because he was the Moscow correspondent for the Financial Times and then the Wall Street Journal since, like, 1976. The guy has lived his whole life in and around Russia until he got kicked out in late 2013. And he's like the guy on Vladimir Putin. And the thing that he got on Putin, the first big story he broke on him that no one listened to, literally no one in this country or anywhere, was that Putin rose to power in September 1999 by bombing a bunch of apartments around Russia in Moscow and two other cities. And he killed hundreds of his own people. And you say, well, how did this bring him to power? Because they blamed it. It's a typical false flag event. They blamed it on Chechen rebels. And he effectively, this is late 1999, Putin was named prime minister. The president, Boris Yeltsin, his term was about to be over. The election was going to be the next year. Boris Yeltsin and Vladimir Putin, his sidekicks, approval rating was 2%. Not only were they not going to win when Putin ran, but like they were at risk of being thrown in jail for corruption or like killed by the people because Russia was a power vacuum. So they do this false flag event. David could tell you about how he got that story and everything, but he got it. And they say the Chechens did it. They start the second Chechen war. Yeltsin resigns three months early to, or whatever it was, five months early to make Putin an incumbent. So people get used to him as president. Mm -hmm. He's the wartime leader. They have success in the war. And suddenly people are like, oh, this guy's strong. We like him. 60% approval rating. Moves up the election two months or three months from June to March in 2000, wins, the rest is history. David had this story. Alexander Litvinenko, the former KGB FSB agent, had this story. Putin killed him, as we know, in London with polonium in 2006. He was a Russian who had it. David was the Western reporter. They both had it. And nobody listened. But I found in one of his books, he wrote really offhand. Didn't, like, didn't seem to think anything of it when he wrote it, but... The way they got the Chechen thing to happen 
is they created like a fake invasion of Dagestan by a certain sect of Chechen rebels about a month before the bombings in 1999. And what happened was, by and large, the Chechens shot their way into Dagestan, which is a country over there. And then the Russians came in to defend. And after a while, the Chechens basically just picked up their bags and they left. And as they left, the Russians didn't shoot them. They just let them leave. Like nothing happened. And so then there was some sort of like disagreement that happened publicly out of that, which then caused the Chechens to bomb the buildings. They created like a, they created a false flag event Mm -hmm. to get the false flag event to happen. Right. And what David uncovered is that there was a secret meeting in Monaco or Nice, like somewhere in there, at Adnan Khashoggi's house between the Chechens and representatives from the inner workings of the Russian government where the Dagestan, I think that's how you're supposed to say it, Dagestan, the Dagestan invasion was cooked up. And I'm just like, where does this end, man? Holy shit. Like, where the fuck does this end? Khashoggi. And this guy is apparently... How is he tied to fucking Epstein and, and John Luke Brunel? He's... He was Epstein's mentor. He was Epstein? I thought- yeah. He was a guy who allegedly trained... I don't know if you can even... Is that what you call I've never, it? I never heard this guy's name until the other day. I, yeah. I heard... What what's up with the guy, the Victoria's Secret guy, Les Les Lex Wexner. Lex Wex Les Wexner. Well, I thought that was his his uh like one of his mentors. He was like a f- allegedly like a financial mentor, but I think and I don't think anyone knows, but mm-hmm. they think that like Jeff had some blackmail on him or they were just in on it together. Mm-hmm. And so Lex is it Lex or Les? I was Les. It's Les Wexner. Yeah. So yeah. whoever. <laughs> Victoria's Secret dude. Yeah, running a company with a bunch of girls in their panties all day. Neither here nor there. Right? But he allowed Jeff to manage all his money. Did you also know, though, that (laughs) before Jeffrey Epstein died, after Steve Bannon got fired by Trump, he interviewed Jeffrey Epstein on camera in his house, I think for 18 hours. Steve Bannon did? No, I had no fucking clue. Where do you find this shit? Do you do anything but research? I don't know, man. <laughs> this, this, I went down this rabbit hole, though, like two months ago. Steve Bannon, Austin, I don't know if you can find this clip. It's on YouTube. If you type in Steve Bannon Epstein, he released for some documentary. He's got, Steve Bannon's crazy, but he, he's got some documentary coming they out. Used to th- they used to think he was Q, QAnon. Oh, God. But he has some documentary coming out. Go down... <clears throat> Type in, go back up and, and just add times up with, with times with an apostrophe. Is it even on here anymore? Hold on. Uh, all right, type in Steve Bannon Epstein interview. Yeah, that first one. Yeah. It's got to still be on here. Go down. Go down. The crazy thing about... It's like a minute... Okay, there it is. There it is. See the (coughs) teaser with Epstein? Oh, wow. Right there. Dude, try not to laugh when you hear this. Oh, my God. Click this. It's only two minutes long. Yeah. Next month marks two years... This is a trailer for his documentary. ...sex offender Jeffrey Epstein inside a New York City jail. We were underage. 
we were little girls. By the time I was 16, I brought him up to 75 girls. And he was glib. He lived essentially like he was Gatsby. He was an absolutely terrifying person to encounter. There's the J.E. You own an island. Two, two, two islands. The, the islands of Dr. Moreau. Correct. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein was a billionaire New York businessman whose vast wealth bought an arrogance that knew no limits. He acted as if he could have anything he could. That woman's reporting on this is the best by far, the 60 Minutes Australia lady. Brings Prince Andrew over his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Watch this. But the future is for the way women think. The way women think. Is that not a sop because of, uh, of all the uh, depravity you've done against young women? And your, your new sop is that their, their women's thinking is, is, is the future? No, I've, been, I've always believed that women would be, not be able to take over. I, I'm a firm believer in supporter of Kwanzaa. <laughs> what? He got that on camera. That was it. That's the whole, that's the whole thing of Epstein talking. What does that mean, time's up, my firm believer? You know the time's up, like Me Too movement? <laughs> Like Time's Up? Oh, for, I didn't know Time's for, Up was for part me- of that. Yeah, it was like some trending hashtag oh, with so it, I think. Guy, time's Up. Yeah, it was like Time's Up for, for male supremacy or yeah. what, whatever the fuck it was. And he's like, I'm a huge believer. He's got like the New York accent and everything. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, it's like a normal guy sitting in his he house. He's like, really I'm a huge believer in Time's Up. <laughs> didn't he, wasn't he like really into, uh, I forget the word now, but like he wanted to like spread basically his DNA throughout the I heard that. What is, I forget what the, uh, there's a word for that when you like. Is it eugenics? Eugenics. Yeah. yeah, eugenics. He wanted to like, I think that's why he bought, he said, and this is a report, but like he bought the Zorro Ranch so that he could spawn Little Epstein. Right. <laughs> Fucking dude was crazy, man. Was cra- he was like a racist bastard too. Like he would just, he looked down on anyone mm. who wasn't white completely like he made he just made he made shit up about like the physicality of people who are other races i don't remember specific examples but he was just a you know he's like this awful awful yeah. like if you could create an awful human being like adolf hitler jeffrey epstein i mean that's right. kind of that's that's where we're at for some of the same and i guess also maybe some different reasons my thought on that is there there's a lot of people like those guys yeah. but the difference is when you give them that amount of money when they have that amount of money and all the and unlimited resources, then they they take they act on that fucking on who they are. You know what I mean? Or does it change them? I don't think it changes them. I think it makes them more of who they already are. I think that's probably right. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely it's a magnifying yeah. glass. I think there's definitely people like that. I also I should say I think there are also people who they get access to something. Some impetus is put in front of them after having money and connections right mm-hmm. and then they decide that they didn't dislike whatever it was that just happened and it's the smallest thing mm. or it's a bigger thing mm. and they do it again they do it again and then they do it more right and they like it right right and they keep going i think that's definitely a thing but you're right, right. There, there's there's people who are probably molded to be the worst of the worst and they decide not to be a serial killer so we just never see it Right, I think you're right about that. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, I don't know. I just started. I had always thought about it, but I was never one of these. Like, I wasn't sitting there listening to the podcast or anything. Like, going back and forth. I'm like, this is just fucked up. And then that trial, just something about it, just of course offended me. And I was just like looking all through it, 
And I'm like, this is... Uh, the Ghislaine trial? Yeah. The Ghislaine trial? Yeah. And I'm just putting the timeline. Cause I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I wonder if I like passed this guy on the street. Right. In New York. Yeah. Statistically, I'll, I used to walk up to 83rd and 2nd all the fucking time from Midtown. I like to walk in the city. I'm like, statistically, I might have. How freaky is that? You might have just like eh, walked by this. Never know. This dude, yeah. With all these secrets. I never knew houses like that even existed. I never knew there was like these, like, t- there was like, a, like townhouses, but they're fucking mansions when you get inside of them. And they're right on the main roads in New York. Look, I mean, they, that shows you how, how much, how little time I've spent in New York. They don't have people like me in places like that, but I'll take you up to New York. <laughs> I can, I can point at them. Well, Scorsese you. has a place like that too. Probably. Very sim- yeah. j- looks just like it from the outside. Yeah. And, and like, again, like just cause you live in a place like that doesn't mean you have evil, you seen succession. But- on HBO? No. Oh my I god, have. Dude. I've heard good things though. It looks the the fucking main guy, the billionaire's house. Yeah, the guy with the beard. Yeah, the the beard. He he lives in a place that just like looks just like Epstein's house. I mean, they exist. Yeah. It's like, you know, you don't know where. You can have a show. great person and a bad person, right? And you can have that house. And all these other things that come with whatever set of life circumstances this is. And you can go like this in a test tube scenario and put the good person in there and, you know, that they're going to be them. No. And you do the same thing with the bad person, they're going to be them. Mm-hmm. The thing they have in common is they have access to all this stuff. Right. So how do they use it? Right. Does the good person do a lot of philanthropy? Mm. Maybe not even that. You know, just as like nice guy, tips mm-hmm. people well, lives a good life, lives 80 years, dies of cancer, right. calls it a day. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, kids fight over the estate. Bad person leaves behind an island where a bunch of people got raped. I mean, that's the... Yeah. Think about that divide. Have you seen the fucking video of the kid on the jet ski who's he's riding his jet ski through the Bahamas and he he rides past Epstein's Island? No. And he pulls up up and like ties his fucking ski up right in front of that like crazy looking blue and gold building and he fucking climbs up the rock and he runs up and he's like filming himself like running across that fucking... Is there a video of this? Yeah, fine. YouTube... Uh, the video of the kid who ran up on... There, here it is. <laughs> oh my Come God. on. When is this? Uh, 2020? Yeah. Wait, this might not be it. This kid actually jumps up on the island and, like, takes a selfie. No. <laughs> Imagine being one of the agents there, like, God no, damn it. No, this isn't it. This isn't it. Uh, God Go damn back. It. Go back. Fuck. You know, go I, to Jim, YouTube. Jim, that's going to be on the internet. Too bad. And just just uh, type in on YouTube, uh, kid runs across Epstein's Island. <laughs> Epstein Island. It's like imagine having to look at that island, like being in an island close to it right now. Like maybe you know it's there. Keep going. Type it. Just type it into Google. Just type it into Google. And go to images. Might be a, there. Might be like a snapshot. They might take the video off. Images. <clears throat> Kid recently committed suicide. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't speak it into existence. What the fuck? Yeah, I wonder how many people have like committed suicide that are related to this that we don't know are related yeah. to this. That number is four figures. Okay, click on the right? picture of the blue and white striped building. Click yeah. on that. Now go down, scroll down to like related photos down. What the fuck? 
they're making it hard to find. Type in GoPro. You, you want to try DuckDuckGo? <laughs> Type, yeah, right. Give it to you. <laughs> Type in GoPro. He filmed it with a GoPro. There it is. Look at this. No kid. way. Click on it, yeah. Did, they didn't arrest him for this, is did it, they? I don't know. This is a public service. Trespasser on Jeffrey Epstein's... <laughs> this is public service trespass. Dude, you could just pull up on a fucking boat or a jet ski and climb right up onto that little... On that little area where that's up for sale right now, where that building is. Who the fuck is gonna buy that? Somebody's gonna buy it. I want to just go trespass and just set up microphones and do a podcast real quick in front of Elon Musk. Should buy it and do a bomb test on there and take it (laughs) off the face of planet Earth. Just be like, yeah, we're gonna try something there. We're gonna try a rocket from (laughs) there. It's it's one of the ones that destructs the ground below it. Like that place can't exist. Do you think that we could get away with? Climbing up on on Fuck that it. island and doing a podcast real quick, like for no, like no. like a one no hour way. podcast. They, I mean, they well, got one minute. That guy probably got on there. I mean, if he was running quickly, it was unexpected, and we have a video before security could close. But yeah. like, there's no way if you're on no. that for five minutes. What do you do if you're the security guard and you're like rolling up and you see two guys with microphones doing a podcast right in front of that fucking building? You just have to <laughs> act like you're on there. Like, hey, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, yeah. You want to hop in? This might not be five related. minutes. <laughs> This might just be some fucking. I when this I'm is in, not even related to it. You just gotta scroll down. When I'm in New York, though, next. I do. I have. I thought. Look at this kid. Come on! Oh, he's right next to the thing. He got picture. Oh, he even got like Instagram level pictures. Yeah, they fucking modeled in front of the place. Look at Look this. Look at this. All right. Yeah, security was. Someone let him do this. You think? Yeah. Someone was like, you know what? It was bound to. Happen. It said, "Go up." It says something about his YouTube channel. Bracco's YouTube videos. Notice the image running. His name's Bracco. Okay. I wonder what kind of tunnels exist there. Oh my god! Right. Man. How fucking crazy! But is that? I do want to. I have thought about this. When I go to New York next, like I told <laughs> you, I love to walk fucking through New York. Legend. It is. Like, when was this? Twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. When I go there next, though, they they've apparently renovated <clears throat> like the whole place. Like a Goldman guy bought it. The ha- his New yeah, York house, yeah, and took out the whole inside. Like he, I, I think the guy. I mean, it's a Goldman guy, but I think he like bought it as like a someone needs to buy this. And I mean, I, th- I thought they should have knocked it down, but yeah. he basically apparently ripped out like the whole thing. But it still sold for a big number. I wouldn't yeah. expect that. I guess he's got the money to spend. But I do want to like I want to go stand out. I've definitely passed it before and not thought <gasps> Look at about these it. Fuckers. Sorry, sorry. Oh, the, oh, this is it? This is the actual? Oh, my God. Oh, he's got a part. So there's a part two. <laughs> Did he go back the next day? He must have. Just fast forward to the part. They're going to have yeah. a whole intro trying to get yeah. you. Go, see, where, see where that big spike is? It's probably right there. Oh, I got to get that tool. I haven't even seen that. That's just part of YouTube, I think, now. It's like a new thing they did. I guess. Oh, he's on it right now. Just two assholes walking onto this, walking onto this. Like, what's the word? At six thirty a.m., we were nearly compromised. Twelve hours later, we returned. No, they went back. Oh my god! (laughs) Yo, they're definitely Epstein's nephews. This is the ultimate prank. 
They did it before Joke Squad. This is what I'm saying. Someone, the security guards, like look at leaning up from his newspaper, like, eh, fuck it. Let's Do you go. think there's still security guards on the island? There's got, dude. There's got to be like CIA and no. and fucking NSA like wands on there, whatever the fuck they're called. Yeah, but there's nothing there. I mean, the buildings are there, dude. Yeah, but what are they going to do with the building? I, I mean, they could hypo- they're not doing this, but they could hypothetically kick down the door. Yeah, I guess you're right. They could uh, that's a window. What's in there? Is that two-way glass or one-way glass? I don't know. Part 2. <laughs> 13 Epstein's Island. These kids Island are fucking two. crazy, bro. Yeah, what are their names? Bra- at B R A C C O Z Bracos. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get them some more subs. We gotta get them in here. How do they only have twelve thousand? Su- yeah, you gotta get them in here. <laughs> These guys need For to real. be blown up before they're not with us anymore. So you were saying you were gonna, you want to take a photo in front of us? No, house no, I don't want to oh, take a fucking photo. Oh, Fuck that. Selfie. No, I just want to stand there and look. Like yeah, the, and, you know, once in a while I'm a believer in that weird universe shit. Mm. I just want to feel if I feel something. Mm. Like there's another house, by the way, not far from Epstein's. But that's not a coincidence because New York, it's, you know, everything's tight. But there's another house. I think it's next to Michael Bloomberg's place, maybe like 72nd Street, 73rd, something like that, where it was like the Iraq consulate or something. And Saddam's people used to, like, torture people down there. Oh, really? And then they ripped that shit. Whoever bought that ripped that shit out. But, like, there's just – that's the thing about New York, and you could say this about any place technically somewhere. But in New York, you walk down every street. And this is where shit happened or is happening, right? And so there's just – it's weird, but I think about this a lot, like the environment of it. I'm like something in there could have been world-changing shit. Mm, Maybe of good. Maybe of good. Maybe of evil, right? You walk past the Federal Reserve. Damn, I wonder who stood in there before, you know, what they're talking about. And then like if you drive down I-78 right next to New York – where you have an unabated look at the skyline, right? Every time I, d- I did that drive, 2,000 times. Maybe not. Probably 1,000. But, like, every time I drive down there, I just look at those fucking things. And I'd be like, not one of those dick-looking buildings went up without the mafia okay in the cement contract on the whole mm-hmm. fucking thing. Right. Which, you know, I'm not giving them a compliment, but it's, like, wild to think about that like none of those went up without like Paul Castellano being like hmm, yeah they paid enough like John Gotti Lucky Luciano back in the day yeah all right, we'll build that building mm-hmm. like that's a mob right you know and then the UN's there oh I wonder who's I wonder who's <laughs> come through there mm-hmm. I wonder who stayed at these hotels you know yeah, man. there's a fucking deep deep dark dark history in that town that I, city it's good and bad. Good and bad. Right. But a lot of it. A lot of a both. Lot, a lot of both, man. And that's like, New York's like the ultimate symbol. Because. It creates a different kind of person. People from New York are so fucking different. So fucking different than anywhere yeah. else. You can tell. Automat- and it's not even just the accent. It's the whole personality of somebody. I heard, that, I heard that one of the best expressions I ever heard that really summed it up perfectly was the difference between New York and L.A. People from New York, I love, this is not everybody, but most people, they like to shit on you with a smile versus LA, they smile with, and they fucking talk shit behind your back. They, like, yeah. they smile at your face. It's like fake nice in, in on the West coast and on the East coast. It's, they shit on you with a smile. 
which I prefer much more to yes. the fake nice. People are direct. Like they're so direct. Yeah. Like I feel like out of my element when I'm not around New York. Yeah. Like that's I like if someone if I'm walking down the street and someone doesn't say like fuck you get out of the way it's like something's wrong here. Right. 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 <laughs> Hold on a minute. You're yeah. being too nice. Like yeah. I, I'll come down to Florida, you know where like my grandparents are, and like I walk in the store and people are like, well, how are you doing there? And I'm like. You know, a day it's great, two days it's great, and then the third day I'm like, aren't you going to be like my hair's out of place or like get the fuck out of my, my parking spot? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's like something, but I don't know. It's, it, there's good and bad with it, but it definitely, you get molded by the speed in New York. You can either mm. keep up or you can't. Right. You know, when I would do business with people, talk business, whatever, no matter how serious or unserious it was, who were from the Midwest or something like that, it drove me nuts. Because, like, we're like this. Right. All right, let's get done. Let's right, get right. Deal. Let's go. These guys, you know, tomorrow exists. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Next Wednesday, that exists too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And would you like to come over for supper <laughs> the following Monday? And it's like. That's so true. It's like, what, what are we doing? Hold on a minute. You know, let's handshake and get the fuck on with it. Like, let's spit on it and go. But oh New York God. is the ultimate. Like, even more, because I grew up around Philadelphia and then spent my adult time in New York, like. Night and day. Like, even though it's like that in Philly, like, Philly's small. Yeah. New York's a whole... Where there's $5 million in Philly, there's $500 million in New York. You know, where there's this speed of something happening in Philly, there's that speed times 50 happening in New York. And, like, even that divide, like, attitude-wise, can be a little wide. Mm. It's crazy to think about. It's not that far. Mm. Are you... Uh, are you... Like, as far as sports goes, you're more of a Phillies fan or a New York fan? Yeah, I'm all, I got the P on my hat. Could never wear that, that NY on it, there. No, That's never? What it is. No. Like, and I identify, I have for a long time more, because I spent my time in New York, and that's where the center of the world is. But, like, you know, I'm from, I grew up in West Effort, which is 11 <laughs> minutes from Philly, mm. you know, in Jersey. And that was my home city. So, like, there's always that that there and we're definitely it's it's a passionate place especially with sports show me your wrist i'm from pittsburgh <laughs> you get it <laughs> Pitt, pittsburgh's legit <laughs> pittsburgh's got it's in a different way it's like he's a floridian same. his whole life except for like the first five minutes of his life but he identifies as a full-blown pittsburgh is your family from there yeah i lived there until i was like 10 he just likes to talk a lot right. of shit dude. he's just like you can't believe so that me, like 90 of what danny tells that's me. given a lot more credit to the situation yeah, yeah. so that's ten, legit. okay whatever that's legit, five minutes ten years the same thing danny just doesn't understand because he's from florida nobody has any respect for sports teams down there. <laughs> what yeah. dude, you got tom fucking brady yeah you got tom brady not, not from here so like nobody yeah. has any like loyalty to sports down here danny likes the lakers one day likes the fucking bucks the next day he likes the bucks one day likes fucking the patriots it's the next day. That's a violation. Care, man. Hey, look, yeah. at violation. look at the stickers. Look at the stickers. We're Bucks fans over here. We'll do that in Pennsylvania. Yeah, when Tom Brady's not here in two <clears throat> years, is it going to look like I that? won't give a fuck about sports anymore. Okay. Yeah, see, that's the See, difference. I like, I'm a more of like There's a player no fan. I like the player. I, oh, I'm, like a, a, I'm a fan of the players. That's what people say. They have no loyalty to no heart yeah. towards their like, sports I'll teams. watch a LeBron game, like any team he's on. I'll watch the game, but if, I mean, if it's fucking, <clears throat> if it's the 76ers and the Orlando Magic, I don't give a shit. But if LeBron's playing the game, I like watching it. Same <clears> with Tom <throat> Brady. Well, Tom, not even, I don't, honestly, I never really gave a fuck about Tom Brady before he was on the Bucks. I never really cared about watching his games. Yeah, you wouldn't understand. 
<laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna second that right there. I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, but it's wouldn't. fun to watch. Yeah, so I, it's just like it's fun to watch everybody in Tampa just lose their minds now that Tom Brady's the quarterback. <laughs> it's, I mean, look, you, it's a privilege. It's like you're watching the epitome of greatness every week, mm-hmm. and now he's coming back. It's like the guy is guy's out of control. Listen, it's like popular in like a place like Philly to be like, "Fuck Tom Brady." I'm, I was never with that. Like, to me, when we won our Super Bowl in 2018, that was like, I can't even... Was that Footlong Foles? Yeah. Bro, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love how you know. <laughs> BDB, baby. But, like, that was so important. Like, the religion that is especially football there. And to finally win it, we had had a championship, not a Super Bowl. It was right before there were Super Bowls. Like, to do that, it's indescribable but people you know there would even after we won we're at the parade people are making fun of tom brady kissing his kids and shit like that oh yeah and i'm just like guys and they were giving him shit i'm like tom brady who is the best player to ever step on a football field just played one of the greatest as great as nick Foles was mm-hmm. in that game and he was phenomenal deserved to win mvp the whole bit Tom Brady played one of the greatest games of football I've ever seen. Maybe his best game ever. The guy didn't miss. He threw no interceptions. He had three touchdowns. He threw for 500 and some yards. I mean, he should have had like five or six touchdowns, but they ran a couple in at the goal line. But like, I'm like, this the best player to ever play just played against us in the Super Bowl. We somehow won and won our first Super Bowl mm-hmm. against the best to ever do it at the top of his game. I have mm-hmm. nothing but respect for him. And thank you for letting me watch that. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, we won, but I also got to watch, like, perfect football. Mm-hmm. And I'll never, in the second quarter of that game, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. Chris Collinsworth gets on there. There was some sort of, like, weird stutter go route that Gronk and Brady tried. It was like a timing pattern. And Brady threw it low, I think because he thought Gronk was going to come in. And it was clear to everyone on TV. Like, he threw a dart in there, but it came in low. And Collinsworth goes, you know, I'm not really sure about that one, Al, but uh, you got to wonder. Father Time catches up with everyone. And uh, Tom Brady doesn't make that throw. Next throw, 50 yards downfield. Oh, there's Tom Brady. Never misses again the rest of the... I'm like, that's the coldest in-game take I've ever seen in my life. Like, you're (laughs) talking about Father Time when the guy's throwing for 550 fucking yards or whatever it was. I'm like, this dude... And that was four years ago. Yeah. Four, yeah he was like 41, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, like he walked off the... F- I'm like, yo. Like, I came like a salute. Like, we're selling... My dad and me are like crying. But I'm like, salute to that guy. That's like, I'll never... It doesn't get any better than this. Like, you, we you, literally couldn't stop you. Were you at the game? No. Oh, okay. We were... I, I went home to watch it with my dad. I'm like, oh, really? We, we got to take him That's home. That's awesome. We got to take him home together. That's awesome. And it was like... Together, yeah, we're doing it. It was like it was like a religious experience, and then the parade was like, but that was insane. Oh, it's indescribable. No one will ever do a parade like that, like Philly at their first Super Bowl. That will not. I saw things that I'll never see again. <laughs> I saw people peeing in places that I didn't think were possible. You know, they put all Cresco oil on, on all the poles. The, on all the poles, so didn't, matter. <laughs> didn't no, matter. they still got there. I saw the best was when I saw Jesus walking around a guy dressed as Jesus with a giant flagpole that had that had an industrial clear bag on the top and a sign walking next to him that said Nick Foles condom 
with a oh, with an, bomb yeah. with an arrow up <laughs> and like hilarious. Nick Foles with his little daughter and his like very cute religious wife like driving by on the on the bus and like oh, Jesus so is standing there <laughs> like oh, some people are so amazing bro sports God. fans are like none other it's they're like, the best it's like none other That's they're the best fucking hilarious you know what's scary though we like sports and like the passion or like the tribalism behind that now in the social media era, at least my opinion is, while that's continued to a great extent, we make sports like politics too, right? So we look at it, people get like this, like emotional mm. and like cutthroat oh, yeah. over issues. Like you, you brought this up a while ago. We didn't go into it, but we probably should. Like the whole Ukraine thing. Mm. I looked at this maybe a day after it happened. And I'm just so cynical now that I'm like, give it a week, give it a week, and we're gonna have two camps. <laughs> we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna have the people, and like, it didn't take a gene. I think a lot of people called this, but like, we're gonna have the people who have the profile picture from Adobe Photoshop with the Ukrainian flag and like the overgraphic image like this, mm-hmm. stand with Ukraine or whatever they were gonna say. The pronouns underneath. What all that? Yeah. Then we're gonna have people who suddenly are like, you know, this Putin guy might not be too bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And and the people who get all the attention, so therefore, what seems to be the main narratives, even though a lot of people don't feel these two ways, are gonna be those two. And you're now going to divide people along the lines: Are you anti-Ukraine or pro you or pro Putin? Right, right, right. And it's like, <laughs> dude, like a fucking simulation. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing as the nine eleven thing. A lot of things can be true at the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, I, like I told you, I went down that whole Ukraine rabbit hole with the uh, Oliver Stone documentaries, and that shit just like took me for a whirlwind. When did he make that? Two thousand. 17 I want to say around 2017 2018 he has two separate ones he has one that was all about the Maidan thing and then he 14 then he has a the one or no I'm sorry he has the one about the orange revolution that was before that this is different this is the actual interviews he did with Putin um and then he has another one that that covered that goes into all the way up to Zelensky in 2019 Mm. and how like he campaigned to end the war in Donbass and he still never did it um and uh, the craziest part, which I talked to the guy I had on here last or a couple of days ago about, was that lady, uh, Victoria Newland, the neocon. Yeah, lady, you were telling me about this. Whose husband's also a big fucking neocon who helped sell the Iraq war. What's her position? Um, I'm not sure what her position is can we Can we pull that up? Yeah, yeah, Victoria yeah, pull Newland. Up, pull up that same clip of her talking about the recorded phone call with Victoria Newland. And uh, they're recording it. She's talking about Biden signing off on the new president of the Ukraine. And you were telling me this is the same lady who had like that weird back and forth with Marco Rubio. Yes, that's the same lady. Senate. She's like, "Uh, uh, there are chemical labs, uh, research labs uh, in the Ukraine. Yes. And we want to make sure that we want to do everything we can to make sure that uh, the Russian troops do not get their hands on them. My only thing. He was like, what? My only thing about this is like, well, not my only thing, but one thing about this is. Of course, it's horrifying to see what's going on there. You have a heart. Like, mm. the, the people who, caught, who are caught in the middle of this, it's not, it's not their fault. Fucked. No. Yeah, it's disgusting what's going on. But, like, wh- why do we not raise this point? Like, why are we just raising... I know it's important because Ukraine's 45 million people. It's right next to Russia. It has resources. Putin's bad. But, like, 
What about all the brown kids who have this happen every fucking day yeah. in the Middle East? Well, because like like Tim Dillon said, we can imagine these people coming to dinner with us. They're white. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the best. You, have you seen the, the? Did you see the Trevor Noah video? He actually nailed this with uh, talking about like <laughs> the implicit bias in the media talking uh-uh. about this war. He's like, "Ooh, I wonder why they're so worried about it." Let's roll the tape. And like the people are like, you know, this is Europe. This is a fr- this isn't a third world country. Exactly. <laughs> These aren't little brown babies running around. Then, they look just like us. Yeah. yeah. And he's, and, and we like, have to protect them. And like, you know, the one guy, the one guy had like an oh shit moment. Like the one CBS reporter on TV is like, and I have to choose my words carefully here. But oh yeah, exactly. European. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's well, basically what the fuck saying, is that supposed to mean, Steve? Like, yeah. why are we so worried about about the Ukrainian people being murdered when we're not worried about people in Yemen getting bombed and slaughtered? And Pete, you know what's the other thing is? Because Trevor Noah said this. He's like, literally, Europe's whole history is built off of war. And he's right. It hasn't even been that long since what I think. Maybe there's been another one since then. I'm not even thinking of it. But, like, people even know what happened in Kosovo? In 1999? Have you ever looked into that? I mean, I know a little bit about it, but not a lot. Yugoslavia? All that? You'd have Bro, to enlighten I, me. I went down the rabbit hole. That, like, this is recent, and I there's a lot I don't know, so please look this up for yourself. But, like, you know, the whole, like, Yugoslavia breaking up after the Soviet Union fell from 91 to 99 and that power vacuum and those mm. six different regions there, including three more that were outside of Yugoslavia that had, like, some of the same people in there. This is where borders, like, don't divide by culture. Like, there's the same types of people. Like, there's Albanians who live not just in Albania. They live in Kosovo. They live in Macedonia. They live in Serbia. Like, right. all these places. And, like, there was legit, like, genocide going on there. And we don't talk about it because the government, NATO, just came in and bombed the shit out of Serbia to end it, which I guess there's controversy there, but I guess technically did. But, you know, they didn't let the media in to Mm. the countries while this was going on. So we just, yeah, whatever. But there was like literal ethnic cleansing going on. No one cared about that one. Right. You know, but now there's a narrative to it. Yeah, the Rwanda. Yep, Rwanda. Have you ever seen that movie, Hotel no. Rwanda? No, Don Cheadle. No, oh, bro, that's tw- this. This is twenty eight years ago. The Hutus and the Tutsis. Really? I'm probably getting that wrong, but okay. They um, they just ran around with machetes. What? And just fucking. I forget who did it on who, but <clears throat> what was that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You just got back from Rwanda, didn't you? Like that. you? Didn't you just go to Rwanda? I've been to Rwanda, so I... I know really? That. This kid goes to every fucking country around... Every country I've never even heard We've of. We've got to pop you in here. That's pretty cool. Uh, pl- okay, play that Victoria Newland uh, clip real quick. Yeah, yeah, let's go back there. This is the phone call, full, right? Full screen, yeah, this is the recorded phone call. So when... Can you give the context on this okay, real quick? Okay, so this is right, like, towards the end of the Maidan massacre. Right here. So, yeah, like, 2014... Okay. 
was leaked online. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? <laughs> <laughs> Corporate speak. Oh, my God. So you had this remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government Look at that evil bitch. No, exactly. <laughs> the whole U.S. government feels that way. The, there's, there is division on this, but the neoconservative element wants very much to change the strategic dynamic in Eastern Europe. You know How what? fucking crazy now, is that? Now, take out the words Ukraine and, like, president or whatever there, uh -huh. and now imagine, like, two HR managers at Bank of America talking about a business that they're going to slowly unwind so that they don't have to sell the shareholders until it's all already done. It's the same it's the same speak, corporate speak. Right. He, he's right. like, "All right, we'll we'll call you back with next steps." Yeah, we'll <laughs> Biden's will. I have a hard stop at 415 by the way. <laughs> like shut the fuck like Dude, there's so crazy, it's dude. so insane. So fucked up. I just like this was 2014. Yeah. So this is like Tech era is upon us. Mm -hmm. I don't know why for the life of me. I understand like day to day you're just doing your job and you're not thinking about everything. <clears> but like think about everything you do when you're in a position like that. You got to be on constant alert. Like I wonder how this would sound if someone was recording this right yeah. now. Because mm -hmm. they might be. You know, like you never know when this is going to come out. And they so, weren't thinking that back then. So here's here. Maybe not. No. Apparently not. Yeah, but, apparently like, not. <laughs> but like here's a prime example. The thing they're talking about right there. Mm. They might actually have the right opinion on this, but they're doing it in like a seemingly corrupt underwater way. Right, right, right. right, right. Like Yanukovych was not a good guy. He lied to his people. He was a piece of shit who was friends with Putin and everything. And the people, the Ukrainian people wanted him out. That's a fact. They wanted him gone. And, and he ended up being gone. But here you have senior U.S. officials mm -hmm. talking about like nonchalant. Like, yeah, we're going to get our guy in there yeah, or right. whatever. Right. Where now the now it's dirty. Now it's like, well, did they put someone in here? Right. Now it seems like obviously Zelensky's, this is way, this is seven years later. Mm -hmm. And then Zelensky was like a random comedian who then somehow got to office. Right. And I think that guy's just caught in the middle of a shitstorm because you got to remember the Ukrainian government already had like its own bullshit, regular corruption like all these governments have. And he's walking into that. Right. So who the fuck knows like what these guys are doing around him right now? Right, right. You right. know, but we can all agree you know, what's happening to his people is is awful. It's just like, don't make a Twitter bio about it right. when you don't know anything. But could you imagine fucking Russia installing, doing this same thing in Mexico? Could you imagine no. fucking some top-level Russians in the KGB inserting a regime in Mexico? Like, what the fuck would we do to Mexico? Are you kidding me? You should ask. No, that you, would never fucking happen. You should run this by David. This is another one you should definitely run by yeah. him to see how he answers it. Because, like, <clears throat> the concept is, well, we're good and they're bad. Right, but exactly. what is good and what is right, bad. Right, Now, I will say this. As critical as I may be, if you listen to this podcast, of, like, certain agencies and things we do and assholes like that. Yeah, on the good and bad spectrum, do I, 
do I think we're a lot better intentioned, at least like overall as a group of people, to say nothing of individuals, mm-hmm. than say Russia? Yes. But who are we to say that? It's not our country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like if you're Russia, if you're Putin, the one thing is that you could feel a little threatened that like, oh, there's NATO troops on everyone. Possibly, yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. all these anti-ballistic missiles they're putting up there that could be changed into offensive missiles in less than an hour. Maybe I that's don't a know anything about that, but yeah, if that's yeah. if that's a thing, then yeah, like another example. Like a lot of things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's why that that's why what he's doing is an all time level of stupidity because he actually, as much as he's already disliked and and ripped on the world stage before any of this happened, he had some like some potentially moral leverage against Western not Ukraine per se but like Western powers who were like tacitly allowing certain things to happen on all the borders around him where then Ukraine comes into play because mm-hmm. it's the biggest one right. He had some leverage there, and then he went and attacked the country and shelled apartments and shit. And yeah. it's just like <clears throat> he gave it all away. And now the one thing I understand with people who have significant bias is, yeah, it's very hard to see past anything when you do, when you do see something very evil happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. My issue is that people just take such a – it has to be everything to them. Ukraine has to be all good. Yeah. There's no problem. Can here. you find that John Stewart interview with Oliver Stone? I think it's John. No, not not John Stewart. Who's the other guy? Stephen Colbert interviews Oliver Stone about his interviews with Putin, and he's basically sitting there. They even edited out a shitload of it to make it because actually Oliver made. If you watch the long version, he makes some really good points. They cut it out of the main. Interview. Where'd you get the long version? The long version is I think it's also on YouTube. But you got to dig way way deeper, and it's like 15 minutes long. But the TV version. I can't believe they let that out. Dude, and he's basically sitting there. He's like, so, so tell me about, about this uh, interview you did with Putin, blah, 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 blah. He's like, and he starts talking about his experience sitting there. He'd made three trips to Russia and spent over like 20 hours, not 20, probably like 10 hours talking to him. And it was edited into six hours or four hours. <clears throat> and then he, he says all this stuff. And, and, and then Stephen Colbert's like, so out of all this, do you have anything negative to say about Putin? Like, can you give me one negative thing? You could tell he's like super upset that he has nothing negative to say about him. He's just giving his unbiased point of view on it. He's like, you didn't challenge him on this. He's like, look, look to be able to get an interview with this fucking guy in the first place, you have to have some mutual respect. Do you not understand that? Well, you, you can't. Also- you, I can't just walk in there and be a fucking dickhead to the guy. You have yeah. to have respect for the guy. You have to understand his position to be able to get this interview in the first place. And here, well, here's a good example. Here's where I think. Here's why I think they're probably both wrong on on each side, Colbert and and Stone, because Colbert is just fishing for something politically useful for him, for his motives, which is bullshit. He should be looking at this. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it might even be a fair question with the wrong intentions. But, yeah, the one thing Oliver Stone won't have an explanation for here is that you – the only journalists who get access to the Kremlin – like there's there's an official meeting that happens, I don't know if it's once a month or something, where the tacit expectation is it's Russia trying to show, oh, we're open with all the media around the world. But you don't get let back in there again if you say something that they don't like. So everyone self-censors. And so he doesn't get this interview. This is a fact. He doesn't get this interview unless he has 
A, cleared a lot of things they're going to talk about directly Mm -hmm. with the Kremlin before, which allows Putin to prepare for it. And B, says anything that sets Putin off to the point that he can't virtue signal cover for it. So it's not like, I would say, in my opinion, Oliver Stone is, I don't like this phrase at all. He's like a necessary evil because he's a fuck everybody guy. He's the guy who makes you have to look introspective, regardless of party, mm-hmm. into the United States and bad things we, we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in the same way that people on another side of an issue could get biased by their own experiences, yeah, I think he does too. So Oliver Stone, who's a guy who's very disillusioned with a lot of things in America, who was a Vietnam War veteran, he saw the worst of what we do. Right. You know, yeah, he's biased. But it's like, I watch Oliver Stone, I say, okay, we know some shit here. Like, all right, I don't think Barack Obama belongs in front of the Hague War Tribunal. All right, let's relax. But (laughs) what are some things he's going to say about all the politicians we've had that have an element of truth to him? And let me try to figure that out. I I mean, I know, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not all good and it's not all bad. Right. I don't know why a lot of... I feel like a lot more people do think like this. They just don't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. I hope they do. Right. But, like, that's that's a prime example. So, like, I do want to sit down and watch the full four-hour thing. Yeah. And see what he got. Because you can't tell me he didn't get some kernels of something that are at least useful to understand. Oh, uh, it gives you an extremely... You know? It's it's a fascinating insight on, on Putin. And not... I mean, even if it's all just an act he's putting on, he's putting on a damn good fucking act. Well, he's good at that. He mu- I mean, he must. He's be. a propaganda genius. If, if you want to say, if you want to say everything that he said in those interviews is completely an act and a, and a false, then he's fucking a damn good salesman and a damn good actor. Probably not all four <clears throat> hours. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. But a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, they know what they're doing, man. They mm-hmm. these people. He says uh, they don't care. He he Oliver Stone refers to because it's during the Trump Hillary election. He's interviewing him, and he's like, and Hillary's campaigning, and she calls Putin Hitler. And uh, he asked Putin, he's like, did you see Hillary just called you Hitler yesterday? He's like, he giggles, he's like, ah, she's a very dynamic woman. <laughs> it could still be funny. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, sometimes I'm sure even guys like him got to laugh at some shit that happens yeah. in, a, in a democracy. Mm-hmm. Like, and they sat, <laughs> down, they sat down together, and they, walked, they watched Dr. Strangelove. Really? He showed Putin Dr. Strangelove for the first time. And what did he say? I forget. I don't know. He gave him the DVD and he, it, it was it was interesting. I forget exactly it what was he was good. saying. <laughs> it was great. But he was like, I've never seen this. This is very fascinating. And then uh, Oliver Stone gives him the DVD and uh, gives him the case and the DVD's not in there. He's like, oh, it's a typical American gift. Have you ever heard Putin speak English? Yeah. He says if he has a few words he speaks in English. It's like you expect this guy to have like the gruff like like smokers Russian like I've murdered a thousand people voice but he actually talks and we will invite you to the Russia and it's like he sounds like the Mater D yeah yeah he does what the fuck he does he's uh you know and and Oliver Stoney I mean to his credit he does push him pretty hard in the in the interviews too like he straight up says he goes why the why did you interfere in our elections why did you do it you know, you, you know how you know how much power you have in our country. If you wanted to go endorse Trump, he would lose. If you wanted to go endorse Hillary, she would lose. Like that's how much power you have. So why did you fuck with our election? Now, why do you think Putin would allow that question? 
because I mean, obviously his answer was no, I didn't do anything. We never fear, we never interfere with any foreign elections. We know that. And right. so he can just deny right. and people can be like, oh, it's a lie, but whatever. But when he sits there and answers it yeah. and answers it with a face that's clearly like, I'm just giving the response I'm supposed to give. He gets to show power there. People mm. around the world see that and they go, that son of a bitch did it. And he a certain amount of people fuck. are going to believe him too, no matter how yeah. much of a lie. Yeah. Like, it, like certain people will, but mm. not, but the, he doesn't care about the people who will. Right. Because he's already got them. Right, right, right. He cares about the people who don't, mm. which is probably most <clears throat> of the people who are watching it, who know anything about the situation, because it shows that he not only did it, he's talking to an American on mm. his own turf and saying, fuck you. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. I wonder if that's ever happened the other way around. I wonder if there's ever been any, like, really big, like, note, like, notable Russian journalist or filmmaker who's oh, done that sure. with a American president. And here's an example for sure. I, I don't know what an instance, yeah. but I, I, if you made me bet my not very big bank accounts, <laughs> it's got like nothing in it. But if I had to bet all of it, I'd bet, yeah, that's happened. Really? Yeah. I don't know if with a Russian journalist specifically, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look at, well, I think he, I think Putin's, whether you want to say he's good or bad, I think he's very effective at his job. I think he does. I mean, the guy's been doing it for how long? Well, that's because he changed. Whether how, no matter how corrupt he it changed, is, or yeah, he changed the goalposts over and over again. Right, he's right. not the people. The really interesting thing about Russia that David can talk a lot about because he's lived among the people for so long mm. is their psychology. Mm. They are in a different breed, and they and they're molded by their environment. They're molded by over a hundred years of. It's in some cases the worst corruption imaginable. I mean, we don't seem to say this enough, but like Joseph Stalin was, I mean, he was as bad as Hitler in many ways. Maybe not quite all, but like the closest thing. For sure. And like we forget that. You know, these people live through awful shit. So they they, have statues of them everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think they've gotten rid of a lot of them, but they probably still, I think so, but they probably still have some. But like these people. They will believe opposite thing. They will say one thing and then say a thing that directly contradicts that and not think anything of it. And that, but like they will say, David told me this. He's like, they'll say the government is all corrupt. And the next thing out of their mouth will be, you'll ask them about a current issue and they'll be like, I don't know, but the government definitely knows. So we'll let them deal with it. <laughs> like they are very, and it's not their fault. They're just, you know, they're the hardened people who, pour out the vodka and sit in the ice bath in the middle of the tundra and say, I wash my bowls with this. Yeah. And they don't care. Like, they're just, they're, yeah. they are, <clears throat> they believe that it's going to be bad no matter what. So you might as well just suck it up and keep going. And yeah. like most, you got to remember when, when the communism fell in 90 or 91, whatever it was, you know, this private, the rapid privatization that the government basically just allowed was corrupt people, right people, right time, gave them all the control, the oligarchs. Mm. And so all you want to talk about wealth gap, all the wealth went to this small group of individuals. And then the way that those individuals bought protection, if they weren't already a part of it themselves, was organized crime, which mm. then went through the roof. And like you talked to the one guy I knew who I'd like to have on the podcast again, Jules Bonavolanta. He was uh, one of the main... FBI organized crime guys during the height of the Italian American mafia, like seventies, eighties, nineties. He really? invented Donnie Brasco. That was his idea. 
And he told me this over a decade ago when I was young and talking with him. He's like, you know, the Italians at this point, we kind of know what we're getting. Gambling's prostitution, occasionally a little whack a guy. It's like controllable. But he's like, the Russians? Russians are some wild shit, man. <laughs> they don't give a... That, like, you, you, don't, you don't find the body. You find the finger. And then you find a piece of a toe. <laughs> and, like, a weird ice box and some acid. Like, it's some next-level shit. <coughs> and these people, you know, those that's the worst example, but... Like Russian mafia over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're all tied back to there. But, like, right. they're molded by an environment that has no hope. Right. They're molded by an environment where this, this is the only way we make money. Right. We kill. You don't like it, fuck off. Italians, at least they got to be home in time for dinner. Yeah, yeah. There's a big... There's... And those guys, don't get me wrong, they're psychos and they don't feel much, but... They feel maybe a little, <laughs> you know, the Russians are like, it's like Eastern promises. They're fucking chopping the guy out There's with a cigarette no in their mouth. Like, There's just no hope. You know? Yeah. Wow. It's, but that's, that's it. Like they're, they have been fucked up because the way Soviets came to power, they were fucked up. The czars had all the power. No one had any money. It's mm-hmm. a weird environment. It was, it's still rural as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's cold. People are miserable, you know? And then the Soviet Union happened. We know how that turned out. Yeah. And then this happened. Oh, democracy. No. <laughs> you know, who, <laughs> can can you Google the uh, the 2020 Russian constitution changes? <laughs> Just toss this Uh-oh. one right in there during COVID. <laughs> it's right under right under the books. So in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. This this how Putin. This is why. He consolidated power before doing anything like this. And, I mean, genius political move. But, you know, he had to leave office in 2008 because presidents can only serve two terms in the new constitution. So he puts Medvedev in there, who's a – he becomes prime minister, Medvedev president. And then um, amendments to the constitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go down proposed amendments. Yeah, let's start there. See that? Down, low, down, down, down. Proposed amendments. No, it's like the, the very big, bottom. The big text, the bottom of the screen. Yeah, yeah. So go to the list, if you don't mind. Down. Very bottom. Right there. Yep. All right. So where is... The Russian Constitution will supersede international war. Law. International law. Yeah. P- go down to proposed adoption without a referendum. Ah. Uh. Where was the thing? Basically, I don't know if this is the right page. I can keep looking. But. Keep, keep looking. Find something juicy. Putin removed term limits. It's gone. In he, 2020? Yeah. So now he can be president forever. Because he was coming up on, I guess, like 12 years or something in 2024. I think there was going to be something. Or maybe it was 2020 and he was removing it ahead of the election. So he allowed it to happen. He also wrote in that in order to become president in Russia, you had to have only lived here for the last 25 years and you cannot have ever held any foreign resident status. So you can't have a passport anywhere else or have it or have a home anywhere else. Right, right. Which rules out every single oligarch. So anyone with even a modicum of power in the country cannot seize power. So now people are talking about, well, who could take over? The only way that someone would take over would be a straight-up coup where they rip up the Constitution, which is going to cause an uprising in the country, which would be disastrous. But, you know, whatever. And also, 
even if the oligarchs replaced them, half these all these guys are dirty in some way. Mm-hmm. There were like, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. If if who we who replaces them, right? And would it be better? <laughs> it would probably be better. Really? Because like he's bad. I mean, he's just a mm-hmm. he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. But minimally, right. like even even notice it's better. Right. They're still gonna have the same complaints. Oh, Ukraine, they have things on the border. Yeah. Maybe we go in. Yeah, you know, all right, maybe they didn't do it as brazen and as dumb. And this, usually Putin hasn't been dumb, but this was dumb, like how he did this one. But, like, they probably still do it. I mean, it's it's hypothetical. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, they, they still, it's their country. It's their land. Like, they're passionate about it. And if they're not necessarily a good person and they're not beholden to the rights of the individual people in their country because they can do whatever the fuck they want, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that's why the propaganda exists, and that's why even an interview like Al- like Oliver Stone's, he's controlling tacitly what he's being asked. He knows, yeah, so he I'm knows sure. he yeah. can use that. You can't answer. make that happen without yeah. being without having all those questions yeah. screened beforehand. So it's like a lot of journalists. I'm sure I haven't seen an instance of this, but maybe someone talked about it at some point. I'm sure a lot of journalists have had an opportunity to go there, but haven't taken it because they know, like they're told, well. Here's how it works. I right. go, fuck that. Right. You know, we're in a country where like Jim Acosta and Peter Ducey can exist. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just giving the example of the right. two sides with an opposite right. party of choice mm. in office and they can just like make a scene. That doesn't happen. In Russia, you don't hear from that person ever no. again. No. They're gone. Like Anna, Anna Polit, we'll never get this name right. Anna Politaskaya, she was a journalist there, murdered in her home. Really? Yeah. And she wrote against Putin. Boris Nemtsov, the opposition leader, murdered literally right next to the Kremlin. Have it on video. You know, Boris Nemtsov's successor, Alexei Navalny, in prison. Mm. You know, it's not... Have you ever seen the uh, the documentary Icarus? Of course. Dude, how fucking wild is that shit? One of the best docu... I mean, top five documentary ever made, in my opinion. Like... Like on the edge of your fucking seat, that that fucking thing you will grab that documentary like is so fucking gripping from start to finish. Yeah, and how that guy is now the uh, the chemist guy is now fucking living here under like a false identity to be to not get killed by Russians. The fun that guy was like straight out of a Borat movie. Too. Oh yeah, oh He's yeah. Like, that guy was like so. Hello, Brian. He was, I am in danger. <laughs> and he it's was like, so fucking what? funny. Imagine if you're Brian Fogel though walking into that. You're like doing a documentary to like fake drug yourself, and then suddenly, this guy's in the middle of like an international moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His whole life's in danger, and you're like, I have this all on camera. And he's like talking about going through security. He's like, Oh yeah, we got no, no problem, no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, guys, they're hardened to it, dude. You know, you survived. Oh yeah, no problem, no problem. We got lucky today. We got through. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's that's these are at, that's. How crazy they are. He is. These are athletes. It's the Olympics. It's mm. a symbol. Mm-hmm. We must drug them. We must win. Yeah. What? Like, that's just how... I don't know. It's hard for me to say how I'd be. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in the Soviet Union. Right. You know what I mean? Like, people are only as good as the environment. You don't get to choose where you're born. Including Putin. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy was 
He's in the KGB. Imagine the shit he did and didn't feel anything about because they're taught. Right. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, think about, like, the people that he probably strangled with his right hand. <laughs> I, I, I'd probably be crazy, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you don't do it, you're dead. Yeah, you can, it's, hard, it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes like that. Yeah. It's nuts. It's also hard to imagine, you know, being the president of a country for that fucking long. And think about it. We have a new person every four years. Every four years, someone's brand new. Right, brand ba- new. right back to the Bustamante argument, by the way. What was the Bustamante argument? In like a similar vein where he's talking about like attacking within versus losing the focus of the outside. We have a popularity contest every four years, right? which is like good because it's democracy. But what does it lead to? It leads to everyone thinking two minutes out in the news cycle to try to do what's going to not lose them votes. Right. And then we don't have term limits in like the most important and the part most of the important government. part of the government. Yeah. Right. Like what's our excuse there? Why yeah, do these people the look like they were my grandparents' grandparents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People like that Victoria Newland lady. <clears throat> and Joe Biden. And Bi- she's even not Joe even Biden. the worst case scenario. No, but she's yes. not even the worst, yeah. But yes, exactly. Even Joe Biden in that Ukraine documentary, they go into the whole thing with his son being on the board of that company that's the energy company in Ukraine. Like, Which gets covered up. But like, and here's the other thing. He's one dude. Right. And it was one board. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's important, but like, there's a lot more other shit that also like... Even Ukraine, they're just getting used. Right. They don't even. There's probably no, guys yeah, over there Zelensky the doesn't know about. He's right. the fucking president, sure. you know. And like that's not his fault. That's just the world. Mm-hmm. But like Biden, man, like I used to caddy for his someone close to him. We'll say that. Oh yeah, you gotta tell the stories of caddying back in the day. Yeah, I, I didn't. Dude used to be a professional caddy for one of like the fucking <laughs> most leg- like most elite golf courses. It's there cool were there were country. a couple. One of them though was Wilmington Country Club, which is where Biden's been. He lives like two minutes from there. Been there forever. But I used to caddy a lot for someone close to him. Never caddied for Joe. But you know, I stood there on the practice tee when he walked on, like right here, you know, and all the Secret Service golf carts behind him when he was vice president. And the last time I was within striking distance of him, like literally, like walking right here by me, was the summer of 2014. And it's crazy because he walks on the practice tee and he's like a normal dude. But he's like, I remember thinking to myself, this dude's 71 years old. Because he was like yoked. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was moving around. Jim, what's up? What's up, motherfucker? I don't know if he said motherfucker, but he's like busting balls to people on the tee. Like, like pointing around, doing the whole, like not even politician-y, just like a, like a bro almost. Uh, Gets up there, he's striping the driver off the practice tee, like 240, 250. I'm like, this fucking guy's a machine. He might, he might run, he might not be too old to run for president. He might do it. And then his son died the next year, didn't end up running for president. But I remember seeing him, this is five years later, he announces his candidacy, four and a half years later. And I'm like... Did that dude have, like, ten brain aneurysms since I saw him? Like, he went from this, like, moving around guy, you know, to, like... He just fell off instantly, huh? I never seen anything like... I mean, I guess it happens. It's what happens when you get old, but... That quick, though? That quick. I wonder what the fuck happened. Had to be something else. He had something... I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But I don't know if he hit his head. Something. He's just, like... 
I did talk with someone this summer whose expertise is with dementia patients who's not a fan of Biden at all. And she laid out for me for like an hour, like a while, why he doesn't have dementia. Mm-hmm. She's like, because it, it's her expertise and she's like pissed off when everyone's playing doctor. But she's like, but he's old as fuck. Yeah. Right, right. Like this is. He's only a couple years older than Putin. I think he's several years older. Oh, is he? Yeah, I think Putin's, Putin's what, 70? 70. Yeah, I think Biden's like 78, 79. Oh, okay. But still, like, you know, Putin's in a lot better shape, it seems, I guess. But, like, you know, she's like, imagine she, this woman was asking me, because she knew my grandfather, and she's like, love your grandpa, successful guy, smart guy, imagine him being president today. And I'm like, oh, no. And he would be (laughs) like, oh, no. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's, this is what it looks like. So, it's not dementia, but, like, I mean, who do I got to fuck to elect a 50-year-old? Right, right. Like, what are we doing? Right. Our government is run by, it was just Trump before him, who was kind of a machine as a person, but, like, he's old as fuck. He's from a different generation. You get the same generation with Biden. And then along the way, you have Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, whose face is falling off. <laughs> you know, the the the, the sproutest guy is, like, Kevin O'Leary or whatever his name is, who's on term number five, whatever it is, and he—I think he's like sixty. What does that guy know about my reality? Yeah. Right, <laughs> like nothing. What? It's insane, man. It's a crazy fucking world we live in. Some nuts shit, man. Bro, that was uh, three and a half hours. No, it wasn't. Three and a half fucking hours. My bladder has never gone this long. <laughs> I still don't have to pee. This is crazy. Every episode, you don't see it, but every episode I have to pee at least once. Tell all the watchers and listeners where they can find your amazing YouTube channel and all your content. Thank you for the compliment. And if you're still here at this point, we've been talking a while. But you can find me at Trendifier, T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, on, t- on well, TikTok for sure, but... YouTube is where we put the the podcast, put it on Apple and Spotify. You can type in my name, Julian Dory, it should come up as well. And yeah, we're I said we're on TikTok, so that's the other one where there's some content. But yeah, would love to see you guys join join the show. Thank you for having me.